Welcome to episode 149 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the Happy Holidays Football and F1 edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host and my co-host who uh, just got off of a race uh, literally a few seconds ago. Uh, we have to get our open here. We have to go and introduce them properly. Um, there's more meaning to the open now for uh, my co-host because of what uh, the news of today. He's a computer genius, an iRacing Indy 500 champion, a gentleman and a scholar, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars fan, uh, Joshua Fine. What's going on, man? Hey, I'm... Uh, wait. Uh, sorry, no, my audio there was messed up on the recording, but or on the uh, video recording, but we're good. No, but I'm doing great, Phil. Uh, just got off of a, uh iRacing race. Connor Daly was racing and put on a... And Tony Kanon as well, putting on a show for the fans because um, there's been some recent news here today that uh, IndyCar will no longer be officially sanctioned on iRacing and they have signed an exclusive rights deal with Motorsport Games, a company that is going out of business uh, and their stock uh, is doing very poorly if it's even listed on the uh, stock market anymore. So, um, you know... Uh, that company had a deal with, and, and they have the uh, source code for R Factor 2, but uh, they had a lot of problems, and it seems like somehow they still have some some existence, and, and um, IndyCar apparently is going through with uh, this deal uh, for 2023 to produce an exclusive console game uh, for uh, IndyCar-only game, but, you know... Uh, that's that's how they're going, and a lot of fans, a lot of iRacing fans, IndyCar fans are not happy about this because uh, iRacing, you know, is a huge platform for IndyCar racing uh, in terms of you know streaming um, numbers. They're number ten, uh, you know, in they're number ten in uh, you know sports games uh, on on Twitch and everything in streaming, which we just streamed with uh, Connor, Connor Daly, and Connor was on his stream as well, but. Yeah, just uh, really, really disappointing news. And, of course, um, you said I'm an Indy, 5, Indy 500 champion right now on iRacing. And, well, um, as of now, there will no longer be an official Indy 500 on iRacing, so, which is very disappointing to hear. So, um, you know, very, very unfortunate news. And, you know, we'll have to deal with the fallout of it and see what happens in the coming days, you know, if they fix something or whatever. But that's the news as of now. And, you know, just disappointing to hear it. But, you know, uh, we'll, we'll deal with it and move on yeah absolutely we're gonna go and dive into it uh to open the show here a uh, little more uh the news of the day that broke on social media and then the likes of uh marshall pruitt uh put it out there and i'm sure david malcher uh went um and also made a post i would think i'm trying to check on motorsport.com to confirm but uh no, there's that was a day ago, so those are a day ago, but we're gonna get into that. Um, oh, yeah, Neil Yanni. Oh, okay, so that's news. Uh, we'll go into something that we're gonna talk about later. So, we'll talk about iRacing and IndyCar. We'll talk about week 15, where the Jaguars had a great comeback against the Cowgirls. The Niners on Thursday night beat Seattle and won the last Thursday night, beat Seattle and won the NFC West. And they'll be playing the Washington Redskin General Commanders on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Jaguars, you guys are playing the Jets tomorrow, or yep. uh, which we're doing this on Wednesday. 
um, instead of Monday. So um, we'll talk about all that. Jacksonville's in the race, actually, for the division. They're going to get it. Uh, so they, they have a good chance to win it the way that Trevor Lawrence is playing right now. We'll get into last week's results, big results in the playoffs. Uh, we are going to do our F1 season recap today. Uh, and then we'll get into the roundup, which there's now news, extra more news from uh, Porsche's uh, 963 GTB uh, lineup for Penske. We'll get into some of the NASCAR tidbits that took that have come about here in the last few days of some driver movement um they're in Erebus racing in supercars and a new sponsor so we'll get into that the women uh, f1 academy uh, teams for the young women have been announced they're all familiar teams and if you're familiar with f2 and f3 imsa We'll get into some of the news with some of the privateers, some of the announcements for GTD and LMP3 for Rolex and beyond. And then WRC Ford uh, has made uh, uh, their announcements for their drivers, at least for the one for the full season or a couple for the full season and some that may be coming along later on. Josh will then get into more into the sim game with the sim side with the sim segment then we'll close the deal and we'll take some time off for the holidays so yeah the news of the day as uh josh already mentioned the licensing agreement's going to end here in what is it nine nine ten days um and meaning that what josh did as he said will not exist anymore i guess you'll have the us 500 and uh so that'll I forget one of the guys I follow on, on Twitter is like, yeah, we're going to do a US 500 and I'll make sure that there's a big wreck before the start of the race. So that, that, which is entirely possible based on the stream I just saw. So, um, that Josh was involved with, but it, it blew up this morning and, um, they're not going to be able to utilize, uh, you can't stream. Yeah. I racing, you're not permitted to broadcast races with those cars. So I guess you can run, or you can't run the Mo- Indianapolis Motor Speedway with the with the IR18. So that means the DW12. But okay, so um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on there. You're you're the guy in terms of it. You have one, the big one, Josh, and uh, I'll give you the Florida kind of after what we just saw there i we were on i was watching the stream trying to be like a pseudo uh spotter i don't think it really mattered i had there was like a three second or five second delay so i would have been i would have been like uh brett griffin um in terms of spotting for josh there but um what were your thoughts when you heard about it earlier today and how are you feeling now after getting to race uh an indy 500 champion and uh, one of the more popular drivers in the IndyCar series uh, in Connor Daly. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's disappointing to see the news uh, that you know, we're talking about. And um, to put it into context, you know, for people that don't know, I guess, um, what, what happened is um, on iRacing, they, they have a license with uh, each racing series that they uh, have content for. They have a license with NASCAR, um, you know, IndyCar, of course, uh, which we'll talk about in a second, and you know, other racing series. They have a deal with F1 and Mercedes to license the Mercedes Formula One car and, and uh, 
iRacing and race on the official F1 tracks, although I don't think it's it's not officially sanctioned by F1, but, you know, it, they have the deal with Mercedes and, you know, other series, they got to deal with IMSA and everything. And it goes, you know, to the point where uh, iRacing, they have uh, officially sanctioned series where uh, it's licensed to the ser- the actual real-life series. So there's a NASCAR uh, sponsored series, there's an IndyCar sponsored series, et cetera, et cetera. And IndyCar... Their license uh, expires on December 31, 2022, um, and they have chosen to go in a different direction with their license for iRacing. Um, they are not renewing it in the current fashion that they have had, where they have an official iRacing series and the iRacing Indy 500 series or race event, special event on iRacing. And uh, they instead will have an exclusive deal with uh, motorsport games um, going forward in 2023 to produce, I think, console and PC exclusive IndyCar games uh, on there. So that's the deal going forward, and here we are. And so what does that all mean? Well, the license expires, on 20, as, as said, on December 31, 2022. IndyCar has signed an exclusive license with another developer that goes into effect on January 1, 2023. We are still working on finalizing a new license with IndyCar, it is clear there will be some notable changes to the way we are able to present IndyCar racing on iRacing. Most significantly, we will no longer be able to run an official IndyCar branded series, and there will not be an Indy iRacing Indy 500. You will also see the removal of the IndyCar series logo from our sites. We plan to continue to support the Delara race cars, IR18, DW12, and Delara IR05. There'll be no changes, unlimited use in racing in regards to the non-IndyCar series at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for other series, NASCAR, IMSA, etc. Until the new license agreement is finalized, we won't know all the details, uh, so there may be further changes. Uh, and that's the official post from Greg West, the uh, IndyCar moderator, um, content guy for iRacing and I think in just in iRacing in general not just IndyCar but he is one of the main uh, guys for the iRacing stuff on IndyCar uh, and so yeah basically what what's happened now is they will no longer be able to hold you know officially you know have Indy 500 uh, attached you know as a sanctioned series on a race on iRacing and you know it will you know have nothing to do with uh the IndyCar series whatsoever, um, you know, currently or, you know, before this week, before the recent update for, uh, 2023, you know, it would say NTT IndyCar series, uh, IndyCar oval fixed or IndyCar open, uh, series. And now it just says U S open wheel class B U S open wheel class C, uh, fixed oval. So that's, that's what it's looking like right now on iRacing and, course no iRacing Indy 500 and I raced in that of course the past two years you know the first year crashed out second year um crashed or well finished fifth in the fixed uh edition and then one in the open uh setup edition of course which I've talked about many times and Phil has referenced me as the Indy 500 champion uh ever since then and will continue to do so now and forever especially now that there will be no more official one and there's a lot of controversy here because of that and not only that but they will no longer have iRacing uh, broadcasts that you know feature IndyCars uh, on officially licensed tracks for IndyCar. Uh, so basically, like any current running IndyCar track, Gateway, uh, Iowa, Long Beach, et cetera, et cetera, 
uh, Road America is there will no longer be any official broadcasts or unofficial broadcasts uh, allowed to take place with with the IndyCar on those racetracks. And so that really hurts the participation of uh, private leagues that, you know, use broadcasts to broadcast their races to have, you know, their own fans, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, really does a disservice to the community. And then furthermore, I think it's even going to extend to uh, private groups not holding or being able to hold their own version of the Indy 500. Uh, if they wanted to, I think it's extending out to that where they can't do a 500 mile race on Indianapolis, uh, Motor Speedway with uh, the current Delara IR18. So, yeah, a very controversial move. IndyCar has responded to this news, uh, which they released a couple of hours ago uh, around 6 p.m. So, this news uh, originally came out in the morning, I guess. Uh, I didn't find out about it until uh, a little early evening about it. Um, from, you know, I heard it from Phil and then I looked at it. But IndyCar has said they responded to the confirmation of, you know, this licensing agreement. Um, they say iRacing will continue to provide a valuable platform for the gaming community to experience I IndyCar. While there will be changes to our presence in the near future, our current car will still be featured on iRacing across current tracks, including the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. This was important to us as we worked through our strategy to ensure fans would continue to access our racing across their favorite mediums, they said in a statement provided to Racer. We also remain confident. Our partnership with Motorsport Games, confirming that uh, what we just said, will produce an engaging, realistic, enjoyable title feature for the NTT IndyCar series. Ultimately, 2023 will produce the first IndyCar-centric video game in nearly a decade while maintaining a presence for the sport in iRacing and beyond. So they say that we'll be allowed to um, continue to race. So I guess like you can still race on you know Indianapolis, but it's no longer going to be officially sanctioned, which I think is a lot of the draw for uh, people and you know being able to have that you know official race in may every may like the real race you know um a lot of people put their time and effort to that there's all i mean you know we have the open wheels 500 which i mean i don't know what the status is going to be on that i haven't even checked uh what they have said on their discord page but you know i'm sure there's gonna be changes there but you know a lot of people you know want to win or you know attempt to race this race uh in the same time frame you know, as the Indianapolis 500 in May, when a lot of people are doing it, you know, of course, you know, not only me at Broadjoy trying to do this, but, you know, we've seen other people like Jimmy Broadbent who won it in 2021 or 2020, I think, don't remember. Yeah, I think it's 2020, 2020 when he did it, but uh, he won it there and you saw the emotion, you know, he was in tears and everything. So, um, yeah, it's uh, just an unfortunate, you know, news that came out and really just shows the foresight that Penske, I think, has had in since they've owned the series in November 2019 when they announced that November 4th 2020 or 2019 when they announced that they would take over uh the IndyCar series uh and the ownership of it and you know I think people thought that IndyCar would grow and in some ways you know kind of have but you know in a lot of other ways they've really um continued to miss the mark I guess on being able to maximize potential for this series um, you know, compared to, you know, Formula One, compared to even NASCAR where they're at currently right now. Um, and, you know, IndyCar has continued to, you know, be that kind of lower tiered series in terms of popularity, I guess, um, that we've seen, you know, since the last 20 years, 
you know, going back all the way back to the IndyCar split in 1996 when Cart and IndyCar, you know, Cart series and, you know, the new IRL split and, you know, led to the destruction of open wheel racing in America and everything. So, um, you know, just shows the continued infighting, I guess, if you want to say, um, poor decision making by all those involved at the top and, um, you know, shows that they continue to screw over their fans. They don't hold the fans' interest in truth, and it's unfortunate because you know we've seen the racing on iRacing with IndyCar. We've seen the racing on uh, IndyCar series in real life, and you know it's a good racing. But you know they just don't know how to market this series. They don't know how to promote it, um, and you know ultimately they shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, and it's kind of going with the trend recently that they're not going to IndyCar went, and it's going back a few months right to the end of the season when the road to Indy was separated. They took, they left Anderson uh, productions or whatever. Dan Anderson's road to Indy, which was called the road to Indy with the pro 2000 and the, uh, the other class, whatever I'm forgetting it off the top uh, in, but the top rung was of course lights, the Indy lights category. So then they not only left that, they kept Indy Lights, but then they renamed it Indy, Indy NXT, which is ridiculous. They've mm, cut the funding. Like yeah, it sounds like it sounds like the WWE. So it's like, why the heck are you? If you're gonna at least, if you're gonna brand something, at least brand it differently than the wrestling. That it's a WWE thing, um, and it's a series where literally two teams run the majority of the cars. Uh, they screwed the the champion Lena Slunquist out of the what do you call them, um, the scholarship and all that, the money to go and run the three races and, and then the Indy 500, which has been the case for years. Um, so that was a big L. Then they're having the issue trying to get a third manufacturer because of the stupid um, engine formula that they made. It's not a formula that exists or can be utilized like they have in IMSA where they're able to do BOP and now between between the WEC and IMSA, they have a convergence agreement. They could have IndyCar could have had a similar type of formula years ago and been ahead of that. I mean, also, I I could I would venture to say they should have been in the same role as kind of like where touring cars went with four cylinder, two liter engines, and you could have had you just put a turbo on it, then you could hybrid it, put hybrid. You could done you could have done all those things because of the packaging. With either an inline four, or they could have come up with you know unique concept maybe, but they they missed the boat on that. The cars from 2012 have made some updates, aero updates, but they have not. They are not going to have a new car for at least another three years. So the car is going to be older than even the Dallara toilet from before, which is crazy. Uh, that's another problem. Then and the engines too. Yeah, and the engines they're going to add the Male or whatever is going to add the. The uh, hybrid, I think, uh, piece or not hybrid. They're going to put the uh, what you call. Um, they're going to put the. Uh, let me scroll here. Sorry, just forgot. It's over. Uh, yeah, hybrid partnership. Okay, so that was announced a couple days ago. So they'll um, they'll be a part of that. But you know, that's still they they're having problems in terms of packaging. They were about to go and bring two point four liter. V6 engines, both Chevy and Honda said, we're going to cut the amount of cars we can support if um, we do that. So basically, so now that's gone. Uh, 
you you look at there's other L's. You talk about Iowa Speedway, which was one of the most subscribed and well, you know, decent turnout at Iowa with High V coming in on board, and then IndyCar doing the um, promotions or whatever, and then now they're upping the the ticket prices. I mean, it's like how can a series it's like it's almost like we're going back like what josh is saying to the old days in the split when they would do cockamamie things and they'd be racing in this shithole or that shithole or they'd be racing crappy cars or you know all this like during the split it it's it's insane the amount of l's indie cars and now this is the latest one i mean you're just napalming your fan base is what you're doing um it, you're, you're supposed to be growing the brand Instead, you're 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 figuring out ways to just knock knock those branches off, those pillars off, to the point where you ain't gonna have anything. They don't they don't draw crap on TV outside of the Indianapolis 500. They can't even get a one. They can't even get a one on TV. And they're on. And now most of the races they have this coming season in 23 will be on NBC. But they they can't even draw a one on NBC. Effing shitty golf tournaments draw more than a one. You know, whatever other bull crap that they put on, whether it's swimming or gymnastics or figure skating, draws better than IndyCar. You know, I'm sure if they decided to start putting cornholing on there, that would outdraw IndyCar. I mean, it's like you gotta, you gotta, I don't know what Penske Entertainment's plan is. I don't know what, how much Roger Penske has to do with all of this. It doesn't seem like they have a plan. They don't have a great plan in terms of promoting their drivers, which has been a problem for decades. When you consider how many cool people that are in this sport, uh, I mean, I don't get it at all. It's it's just frustrating. And I get it on your side, Josh, as a sim guy and being able to say you won that race. It's huge. And all these all these you know guys that have and women that have won that race. It has more meaning now, but it's unfortunate because of, you know, lack of foresight and and just stupidity and ignorance. I mean, that's really what it is. I I don't know how else to put it when you're you're just getting you're trying to figure out ways to get rid of fans. That's what you're trying to do. And and you're talking about and they I mean, another aspect that pisses me off about IndyCar is now because now we're just going off. They don't have any races in the Northeast. It's ridiculous. You have Watkins Glen, you have Pocono, which, well, they find that they may worry about safety, but they did a lot of work to get IndyCar back there, and they were building every year in terms of fans. Watkins Glen, perfect race. They could go and meet with IMSA. They could do an IMSA weekend instead of having that second weekend uh, with the NASCAR. They could go and run a weekend in, in July or something, and they could run a doubleheader. They'll have the six hours. Well, that makes no sense because they have the six hours in June. But, you know, maybe they run it in the fall or something. I don't know. Like, you should. It's Watkins Glen, damn it. It's one of the greatest road courses in the world. It held a U.S. Grand Prix. You're telling me the Indy cars can't go there? You tell me. I mean, I get it's SMI, but if you're already going to that shithole Texas Motor Speedway, you can go to New Hampshire. You know, they're talking about, oh, we can't go to Milwaukee. Now they're trying to start bringing events back in Milwaukee. So why can't you go to Milwaukee? Uh, you're talking about VIR. How is VIR not in play for an IndyCar race? I, I mean, they're, they're, to me, it's just, I don't, I mean, Richmond. They were supposed to go to Richmond, then COVID happened, then that all went away. You have to, you have to 
know where your people are. You can't just saturate everything in the Midwest and screw people over on one side of the country for whatever reason. You know, uh, there are West Coast races, of course. You go up to Portland. You have California races. Of course, they used to have ACS, but who knows, maybe when ACS, whatever they're going to do with ACS, nobody knows at this point because it's a cluster. But the track is so goddamn rough, I wouldn't think IndyCar would want to be there anyway. But, um, you know, and then because Phoenix is is a disaster, there's no point in ever going back there. Um, then, so, I mean, it's it's just unfortunate, and it's sad, really, uh, because I love IndyCar racing, and I've loved IndyCar racing since I was a little kid. I mean, it's going back... 30 years now, I, I've been a fan of IndyCar racing. And I think there's been many interesting and bad, awful off-seasons, and, and a lot of them during the split, of course. But this might be one of the worst off-seasons in IndyCar history. And the, the amount of damage that they've done to the brand and how much damage they've done to a lot of other aspects of the uh, the drivers, a series, a team. I, I don't think you're going to recover, especially when you have Roger Penske involved with Porsche trying to run. He's going to run du- dual programs in IMSA and in the WEC. Chip Ganassi has Cadillac and he's running dual programs in IMSA in the WEC. You have other IndyCar, pro- Mike Shank with Acura, you know, Bobby Rahal with BMW. So that you think about how many cars, that's what, seven, nine, 12 cars in IndyCar are, are owners that are also in IMSA. I might be forgetting other teams off the top of my head uh, that are in IMSA, but also run an IndyCar off the top. But that's at least, in, in my mind, that's literally half, nearly half the grid has, in, has interest in the main class in IMSA that can go and run at Le Mans, but they can also run here and run. They can run every major sports car race in the world. I don't know. I guess him. It, it's kind of it. Kind of goes back to the split, Josh. When when Bill France Jr. and whoever some of these other Leo Mel, some of these other assholes went and got into Tony George's ear and said, "Hey, go and make a side series, make your own series," and basically in the process destroy IndyCar racing and allowed NASCAR, which was already on the up and up, to go and take off. And then Formula One was okay, and with the troll. And they were able to do their thing right when IndyCar was at the peak and was drawing great ratings and had great TV coverage. It's just it just feels like that all over again now. Um, and that happened what nine in the early nineties. So it's like right when I was in in the first years of watching, it was like ninety three, ninety four uh, was when uh, the the early nineties was when they started talking about it. Like ninety one, they were really starting to talk about it. If you look at old qualifying shows with Dave Despain from the Indy 500. Yeah. And um, and so, you know, we're talking about you know, 30 years later, we're kind of, and I mean, it's 25 years later, but it's like 30 years later from when it all those kind of rumors and things started moving. We're kind of back in that point. And a France is involved on one end, and it's not the George family in this case, but it's Roger Penske. And it's interesting because... What, where does his interest lie outside of it seems like his interest lies with Indianapolis Motor Speedway and his IndyCar team being successful. And he doesn't really it doesn't seem like they give a shit about the series. And he definitely cares about Porsche and wanting to get that program off the ground and be successful. 
So in the end, you have all those owners that are in bed with Jim France and IMSA, you know, like you have Elio Castroneves. He might run the Daytona 500 four time Indianapolis 500 champion. I guess things are turning, but we will have some time to go and digest that. And uh, hopefully maybe in 2023, whoever they hire for PR and whoever their, some of their decision makers are um, have a, reality check and they kind of reset because this the last three months for IndyCar since the season ended have been have been steaming hot garbage yeah yeah let me uh go back to this on on the sim part of it um I mean it's not the first time that any that iRacing has lost a a license because they used to be able to do the Le Mans 24 hours on iRacing the 24 hours of Le Mans, and they also lost that to the same company, Motorsport Games. Uh, which I mean, this these guys are a complete like shame. They're they're not even well. I mean, they are a real company, but you know, they have an unreleased game. Um, they uh, have no revenue whatsoever. I mean, it's complete shit. Like you know, it's a total scam of a company, and they you can look at it online. They have uh, a lot of histories uh, or. A lot of people have criticized how they've done things, um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to find some stuff to you know look in, you know, show this to you. But um, I mean, IndyCar, you know, made a mistake here. I think doing this, you know, signing an exclusive rights deal, um, you know, the it's not the first time you know in a racing game. I mean, that this has happened, like I said, but also look at EA Sports. They signed an exclusive rights deal with NASCAR, and uh, after. 2003 and you know that ended papyrus basically and then you know papyrus came back and became iRacing but you know nascar um for a few years like you had the ea sports games and they were okay at like you know in 2003 but then as the years went on after that they became stale and they got worse and then eventually the license expired and then nascar games haven't really been the same since the ea sports games um and you know going back to uh the you know original papyrus games and of course now really the if you want to really get the true nascar racing experience you pretty much need to have iRacing um because you know nascar 21 i think also was made by motorsport games or um you know some some other company it's always they they've always had something wrong on the console games since the the old ea sports days in the mid-2000s but yeah i mean it's just an unfortunate thing um yeah, we're gonna have to deal with it for a bit and yeah i did look on the uh open wheels 500 uh forum or their community on discord and they did say yeah there is no more open wheels 500 for the foreseeable future um you know until they come to a better agreement i guess uh indycar and i racing uh and then also um you know you talk about the split and everything well i mean let's let's go hold a us 500 at michigan <laughs> on iRacing why not like, let's let's go for it and you know we'll, we'll have our own three i mean it's literally the virtual version of the split happening in front of our face right now so <laughs> it's uh it's it's very very a uh, dumb situation and you know the the lack of foresight you know that IndyCar has right now is just you know something that um we shouldn't be dealing with <laughs> yeah yeah that's it's just it's unfortunate and it's crazy and it's a bad way to lead into the holiday season, but the way that IndyCar has been going recently, I think their their consistency is their consistency is top notch in taking L's. 
uh, in general here. So they need they need a lot of help. I'm 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 free. If you want to hire me for PR, I'll I'll put my hand up. I know people that would be willing to. I think Josh would be willing to. You know, we could go and help. You know, I have friends Frank and Missy who did the Indie Sports Car podcast. I'm sure they could go and if they knew that you could pay them the money because I mean Frank has a good job. Missy, both of them had decent jobs, and if you gave them jobs to be the media coordinator, I'm sure they could go and do the job too because us fans are what what the sport is about. It's a reason why you know guys like Connor Daly have been able to finally get an opportunity full-time in IndyCar, albeit he also has a crypto sponsor. But, um, you know, that's beside the point. But um, we'll we'll move uh, forward here into uh, the football. And we'll um, Josh gets to go again here. Jacksonville makes a huge comeback, down 27-10 against the Dallas Cowgirls in the third quarter or yeah, second quarter. Third quarter. In, in, and then um, they scored thirty points. It was uh, thir- it was thirty to seven. After that, Trevor Lawrence went off and assisted in helping me go in advance to the semifinals of Fall Brawl, which of course Josh also did. So you got a lot to talk about here, man. In terms of uh, both your actual team, who's now in a race for a possible four seed in the. Um, in the uh, winning the possibly getting the AFC South after having a rough start to the year, getting a four seed and being one of the hottest teams in the NFL at the moment, while also your fantasy team has a decent chance to maybe go and finally get over the hump here in this league. Yeah, of course. And I mean, let's talk about something good right now. And the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, as you said, they defeated the Dallas Cowboys uh, 40 to 34 in overtime on Sunday. Uh, it was a great game to watch uh, in the second half. The first half was okay. Uh, you know, they fell down 14-0. to um, They forced Dallas to punt in the first possession, and then they were driving down the field to about mid- midfield. And then Travis Etienne uh, took a, a halfback draw and fumbled the ball. Uh, and then uh, Dallas put up 14 unanswered. Jacksonville came back, scored a touchdown. Dallas got another touchdown. Jacksonville struggled, uh, you know, going into the halftime. And then... Third quarter, uh, Jacksonville got a field goal. Dallas got another field goal. Trevor threw a pick, and when he threw a pick, yeah, I thought it was over. But um, you know, I well, not over, but I thought you know maybe maybe today's not the day, and everything. And then Dallas got another field goal, but then Jacksonville got another touchdown. I was like, well, hold on a minute, this thing's not over. We still still got a lot of time left here in the the third quarter. And then uh, you know Prescott threw an interception. Uh, and then Jacksonville got another touchdown, get within three. And then, you know, fourth quarter comes, we force another punt. And then Jacksonville goes down the field and scores another touchdown. Uh, Dallas responds with another touchdown. And then, you know, Trevor has a chance to win the game. And then he goes, scrambles uh, for the first down. And then, you know, Trevor's trying to do too much uh, there. But then, you know, he fumbled the ball. And then, uh, fumbled the ball, and then I thought, well, okay, you know, we we had our chance, you know, maybe just, you know, this is as good as it's going to get. You know, we played well, came back, and fought hard against a, you know, a playoff team, uh, and you know, one of their better teams in the league right now. But then Dallas ran two times. We used our two timeouts, and then 
they threw it de- down deep in the field. They a uh, really low percentage throw, in my opinion. They threw a, you know a deep pass on, along the sideline um, that uh, fell incomplete, and then that left Jacksonville one more timeout to go down and get a field goal with five seconds left. And you know, uh, I haven't really been able to think that you know their kicker was really really good but you know their kicker was able to get two field goals today and was able to get a very clutch I think like 50 yard field goal or 48 yard field goal to send the game to overtime and then we punted the ball in overtime but then um, you know Dallas had the ball they were moved down the field they got to the 50 and then third and four happens and Dak Prescott throws a pick six and you know they returned it for a touchdown and uh, you know that was incredibly exciting Rayshon Jenkins, you know, one of the biggest plays that we've seen from the defense this year and, you know, in a long time. And so this puts Jacksonville at a 6-8 and eight record and has a chance to go out and win the AFC South. Um, and they have a good chance because the AFC South, not really great in terms of overall record. Tennessee has lost uh, multiple games in a row. They're now 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, Their quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, just got put on uh, injured reserve or ruled out for mo- um, more than likely for the season. So their backup guy is in right now. Uh, they don't have a good offense right now. Uh, you know, Jacksonville shut them down, kicked their butts in Tennessee uh, a week ago. And uh, Jacksonville faces them at home uh, in, in two weeks, uh, on or three weeks in January 8th uh, for the final game of the season. So Jacksonville has two games to, you know, win. They got to go up against the New York Jets and then, uh, face the Houston Texans over in uh, Houston, so it's going to be exciting. And uh, you know, I think I think they can beat both of those teams. You know, Zach Wilson's going to be playing. He's been very turnover prone. You know, Trevor Lawrence is playing on fire right now. He's one of the best QBs in the league, and you know, playing at a level I've never seen Jaguars quarterback play. So you know, I'm I'm here for it, and you know, confident in his ability to go out and win games now. So. Um, you know, just glad to see it happen and everything. And you know, I I think I think they have a really good chance to go out and win the AFC South and go into the playoffs. And you know, uh, I didn't think it would happen. I mean, I placed the bet at the beginning of the year that they would either get eight wins or make the playoffs, and both are looking you know very likely that it could happen. So you know, we'll have to wait and see and everything. Um, and you know, if they get both, it'd be really great. If they get one or the other, you know, fine with that too. But you know. They they have a chance to make it in the playoffs. Did not you know seriously think that that would happen, um, but you know from where we were a year ago, firing Urban Meyer uh, to where we are now, um, just shows the level of growth and you know how bad Urban Meyer was as a coach, just holding back Trevor <laughs> like that and dealing with everything that they had to deal with with Urban Meyer because now we're seeing Trevor Lawrence um, ascend into his game and you know, ascend into his status as an NFL quarterback, uh, and be able to do it at a, a high level. So, um, you know, never seen any Jaguars quarterback play <clears throat> like this. And, you know, Blake Bortles had, had some big plays, a lot of stats and everything, but, you know, um, didn't really have the ability to, uh, lead the, you know, team down from a, a comeback. Trevor's done it three times th- this season. Um, you know, never seen from, you know, Blake Bortles be able to do that. Didn't see it with David Garrard. I uh, wasn't here for the, or as a fan, wasn't here uh, around for the uh, Mark Burnell era. I caught the very end of it, but, as, you know, being a Jacksonville fan, but, you know, I wasn't uh, and wouldn't have really remembered it anyways because I was very young when he was the quarterback, uh, the Jaguars in the late 90s uh, uh, for Jacksonville. So 
um, you know, this is uh, probably the best I've ever seen QB play in Jacksonville and, you know, finally seeing what a good quarterback actually looks like. So I'm here for it. And, you know, the season's been pretty credible uh, with a lot of comeback victories in the last month and kind of reminds me of uh, 2010 where we had a lot of comeback victories and a lot of very exciting wins, uh, you know, that year, but didn't make the playoffs. But, you know, I think that team wasn't, you know, very talented and got, you know, got very lucky with what they were able to do. And I think this team has the ability to actually legitimately compete for uh, a playoff spot and be able to make it. So, you know, I'm excited to see what happens tomorrow night uh, when Trevor goes up and Jaguars go up against the New York Jets. And, you know, they have a very formidable defense. So, you know, looking forward to see how he's able to perform against tough defense like that and, you know, uh, settle the debate that the number one overall pick is better than number overall t- or number two overall pick in, in Zach Wilson. So, um, you know, there's there's that and everything for the Jags. And, uh, of course, fantasy-wise, I'm in the semifinals. I go up against Wilson, which I favor that matchup uh, over, over Jeff. Well, until the other day when they said that uh, Jalen Hurts wasn't going to play, so... Uh, maybe that matchup for you is better than for me. Uh, but you know, I'll take it and, you know, I have a shot to go to the fantasy championship could be against you. So let's see what happens. And it's going to be interesting if we face each other in the fantasy playoffs. Um, and I'm looking forward to it, but had, had a good game for my fantasy team, uh, this past week and just to go over the scores and everything from week 15, Derek Carr, of course, really good game, uh, you know, comeback victory against the uh, New England Patriots. Tyreek Hill had a good game on Saturday night in the snow, in the midst of the snowballs. Brandon Ewick didn't really have a great game, but this uh, 49ers ended up winning anyways. Derrick Henry fumbled Brandon the ball. I- yeah, Derrick Henry fumbled the ball and uh, yeah, had had issues against the Chargers, but still scored 31 points. Najee Harris had a good game. Gerald Everett had a, uh, a good game uh, for a tight end. Um, David Montgomery had had a, a good uh, day running the ball and catching passes from Justin Fields. Geno Smith had a d- okay game, even though you know he didn't really play all that well against the 49ers defense, but still managed to get 23 points. And then defensively, uh, had enough from Donovan Wilson, uh, Jonathan Allen. They both got pretty good amount of points. And then Foye lucon has been on fire this whole year as a linebacker for the Jags. So it's been probably their best player overall in defense in terms of, you know, being able to, you know, make tackles and make plays. So, um, yeah, going up against Wilson this weekend and, you know, currently have a 37% chance of winning, but, you know, we'll see how that changes throughout the weekend, kind of how it was initially with, uh, going up against, uh, you know, going up against who's, uh, Steve, so you know we'll see how it go how it goes uh, this weekend in fantasy, and um, you know looking forward to you know post Christmas looking forward to seeing that matchup uh, turn into a W, and we'll see if I face you, so if I face Jeff, but uh, fantasy's looking really good right now, and I uh, feel like you know if things go my way, you got a really good shot at taking home the title, and you know I'll send you my address, and you can send me the the championship belt uh, when it happens. So looking forward to it. <laughs> Hopefully I get to go and keep it personally. I After my other team flamed out and I'm playing for dead last on my other Yahoo team, which is insane considering how I've, how I've done in that league over time. Uh, our sleeper team, I think half our team is on IR. Uh, before I get into the Niners, because obviously seven wins in a row 
Um, we're we're on f- Mr. Irrelevance, definitely relevant. Brock Purdy, et cetera, et cetera. I'm doing, you know, I'm doing a show, right? And then so freaking unbelievable. Um, I'm sorry about that, but yeah, I mean, I'm looking through this team first. I what is it? We have on our on, it's a keeper league, so Debo is out from my team. Tyler Lockett's out. Damian Pierce just got put on IR, and Jonathan Taylor got put on IR. Samuel Debo and Jonathan Taylor were two of our keepers. The other keeper we had was Trevor Lawrence. So I've been a Trevor Lawrence believer. I just knew. I had a feeling. It just took a while. And by God, you know, Doug Peterson was always looking for that that quarterback that could run his system. I mean, it's the Andy Reid coaching tree. It's essentially a, a form of the West Coast Bill Walsh, you know, coaching tree, but it's now in the new in new age 2022 with the spread offenses and stuff like that. So we got a bunch of table scraps here and there. I do have Dallas Goddard on that team uh, as well. But I mean, the 49ers are as the tea kettle goes off while I'm recording a show. um, The um, 49ers have won seven games in a row. It's it's crazy. There was a while ago there there were three and four when um the when this run started so it's like uh, to see where they are they've won the division um it's it's something you know and i'm you know i'm really i i'm, I'm just i'm really really happy about it i'm going to keep on being happy about it if minnesota hadn't made the biggest comeback in the history of the nfl the Niners would have been in the mix to possibly get into the number two seed. It's still possible, but highly unlikely um, because I don't think Minnesota's schedule is so daunting after after this. So, I mean, you have to go and look at – I'm just curious about their schedule. Yeah, so they have they have the uh, – what is this? At Viking. That, yeah. so, so they have over the next – they play the Giants – on Saturday, which, to be fair, Giants are in the mix for the playoffs. The Packers at Lambeau, and then Week 18 is the Bears. So that's a win. Um, there's a high. There's a pretty. High, I could say that two out of the three games. It feels like two and one. I mean, they have. They should win at home at U.S. Bank Stadium, a beautiful stadium uh, that I got to visit. Uh, going to Lambeau. On New Year's Day, having to beat the Packers with A.A. Ron and them, who knows? But uh, the Bears, they they suck, uh, but they do have a quarterback. In terms of the 49ers, they have been, uh, you know, they have been on fire, as I said, and the everything, the defense is at another, another level. Uh, Fred Warner is a part of my fantasy team, so I'm, or not Fred Warner, I mean Dre Greenlaw which is amazing how um, how he's playing. I mean, I look at like I'm looking back at this. We the Niners lost 11 to 10 on Sunday night football to the fucking Denver Broncos lost with Trey Lance in the rain 19 to 10 week one of the Chicago Bears. It was it was absolute trash. Then they beat the Rams before the before the bottom fell out, Uh, beat Carolina a couple of weeks before uh, they traded for Christian McCaffrey, who has made all the uh, major difference on the offense. Lost to the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, let's be honest here. 
okay, fine. I'll give you, I'll take, I can take the Chicago loss. I can t- deal with Atlanta because they were just not good uh, that day. So they were three and four, and they, but they should have beat the Broncos. We'd be tied with the Minnesota Vikings. And I think we'd have, uh, we'd probably be there for the two seed because the Broncos are, are a dumpster fire. And then are actually, yeah, the Kansas, when Kermit the Frog came into Levi's and, and anally annihilated them, yeah, that's what happened. Uh, because what is it? One and one, one and two, two and two, three and two, three and three. Yeah, it's three and four. So ever since uh, the Kansas City Chiefs went and destroyed the Niners, the Niners have not lost. They haven't lost since the end of October. And in that time, they had three divisional wins. Uh, they they're right now perfect in division this season, and they're going to go against the Washington Redskin General Commanders at home this weekend, and then uh, they'll go to Las Vegas on New Year's Day and uh, play Arizona, which is going to probably be a 425 kickoff uh, because of um, Arizona's whole entire team imploding too. So right now it's the the Niners are on fire. The defense is the best defense in the NFL by far. The Brock Purdy is playing at a high level at a level that is, uh, you know, unexpected from a guy who is Mr. Irrelevant, but he's done the job. It's it's something that they finally, after all these years on their Kyle Shanahan regime, not only did they have one quarterback, they had three quarterbacks uh, that they that could actually do something. But Christian McCaffrey being added into the mix has definitely helped uh, this whole entire offense. I mean, you know, the left side of the line is elite. Trent Williams is the best tackle in the NFL. He's even the players agree with that. Aaron Banks has been a revelation here this year at guard. After that, you know, center's okay. The right side of the line, not great, but GK kind of helps. And GK had a big game against Seattle on last Thursday night. Ayuk was quiet last week, but he's been uh, pretty pretty darn reliable through most of the year. Debo's had an off year here in, in his first year since getting the contract, but I feel like he's he'll be back here before the end of the season, and I think he's saving it up for the playoffs. On defense, the rush ends were kind of having uh, issues with health on the rush ends, but Samson Ibukam has been playing at a high level this year. Armstead is opening up holds for Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa is an, is an, is a manimal. Uh, I don't, I think he's subhuman. I don't think, I think he's a robot. Uh, there's no way that, that he could be at really good, but he is. Uh, Warner and Greenlaw are just like Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman. And the, they're the new version. And uh, Greenlaw's a tackling machine. Warner calls all the, calls all the plays and adjustments you got in corner, we have Mooney Ward, who has been one of the best signings in, in all of free agency this for this past season or whatever, past year. Uh, Jimmy Ward and uh, has went to nickel, which is actually a, a good call there. Demandre Lenore is playing really well. And then Tayshawn Gibson and Talanoa Hufanga are a great safety duo, and Hufanga is 2.0. Troy Polamalu, the way he hits, uh, he has bad intentions whenever he hits somebody. So, yeah, that defense trying to go and run this, run this out, um, not lose until the middle of February, and uh, that would mean 
the Lombardi would be back in Santa Clara and San Francisco's hands for the first time since 1994 um, after, but they might have to end up beating the Kansas city chiefs in that scenario in Glendale to make that happen. But we will see um, before I move on to the actual NFL, we Jacksonville Jaguars or the Jack or Jacksonville Jaguars. Like that's possible too. the way they're playing um, in my I was able to win last week over uh, the, what is that? That's week fifth. Uh, Gringo Mandingo. So Professor Jay, who finished third this year, or finished third in the regular season. First time in a while he was in contention. He's been in contention years before, but this year he was in large part due to uh, Josh Allen. And Josh Allen had 51 points on, uh, what is it? I think it was a, Saturday game and um, with the snow, but Trevor Lawrence got 43.3. Joe Burrow got me 38 points. So that helped a lot. Uh, uh, Professor JS GK and Raheem Mostert, they both played really well. A lot of double digit people, but uh, Stefan Diggs had a quiet night. DK Metcalf had a quiet uh, week, but then Tony Pollard was able to do some work. Quiet day for Joe Mixon. Evan Ingram had a good, solid performance. I mean, my not the wide receivers. I have three of the best wide receivers in, in Amon Ross and Brown as well. None of them did amazing, like crazy. Uh, you know, Julian Love, who plays uh, corner and safety for the Giants, is a tackling machine. Um, Sam Hubbard for Cincinnati got hurt. Greenlaw had 20 points. I won by, what does it work out, 3.6 points. And um, beat Professor Jay. So sorry to you, Professor Jay, but your Buffalo Bills are really damn good. So you have that. Uh, this week, I'm going against uh, Jeff, who uh, two weeks ago, I I was close to beating him and would have knocked him out of the number one seed. Wilson would have been the number one seed. Uh, lost by 11.4 points to Jeff there in Week 14 in the last week of the regular season. In in the previous matchup, I played him. I lost by 22, yeah, 28 points or, or so. So that wasn't close, but I definitely kept them honest this last time. Burrow and Trevor Lawrence, I basically matched. We were able to match points with his quarterbacks, which was Jalen Hurts and Justin Herbert. Diggs had a crappy game. Amon Ross St. Brown was quiet. Pollard was good. Mixon was okay. Tight end has been a nightmare all year. Um, DK Metcalf actually played all right, got a touchdown. And I had amazing production out of my defensive play IDPs, uh, but I couldn't fade the stack of Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown Miles Sander, and Miles Sanders, who had 32 points that day and Josh Jacobs. Uh, so I really couldn't fade that, but only lost uh, by 11 points. Have a chance. Stranger things have happened. You back into the playoffs, you never know what can happen. Uh, Niners, it's like the Niners, they're now the three seed. More than likely, they're going to stay there. They're, I mean, nobody, the AFC, NFC South is a trash, is a is a steaming pile of crap. Uh, so they're, I don't, they're not going to drop out of the three Seattle, they lost. Uh, they're they're just trying to make the playoffs. So uh, they're trying to move up the two and get maybe a little more favorable matchup. 
per se and and more likely guarantee two home games uh, before an NFC championship game likely against the Philadelphia Eagles of course uh, Jeff is uh, uh, a Philadelphia Eagles fan so we'll see what happens the projections are um, uh, pretty close again um, I and, and Trevor is of course playing tomorrow as Josh mentioned so need uh, need uh, a lot of uh, we need this team to show up if everybody shows up, who knows what's going to happen. In the case of Jeff, he had to substitute uh, Jalen Hurts because he's not going to play this week for Zach Wilson. Interesting. Uh, largely because I went and used most of my waiver budget to get Gardner Minshew. Um, and that was a strategic call. I said, I'm not going to allow Jeff to, and he has nearly all of his budget, you would think that to block everybody and make sure he has the quarterback for his team, he would have paid for that. Not sure one way or the other how that worked out, but I got him. Uh, don't know. I doubt I'll probably use him. Hopefully you don't have to use him. And um, hopefully I'm able to get this team over the hump two weeks, the next two weeks, and uh, get the championship and finally become seven-time. Uh, I've been a six-time champion of this league, but I haven't won in a while. So... We'll see what happens with that. The uh, standings going into this week for uh, the, um, what am I looking at? Schedules, uh, records, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? NFL Network, schedule, oh, standing, there you go. Standings, playoff picture. So uh, first of all, first of all, uh, yeah, Philly, and the Cowgirls, because of the Giants beating the Washington uh, Redskin general commanders, locked up a playoff spot even after choking against uh, Jack- Jacksonville, um, largely because Trevor Lawrence is is a is a freak. But the Eagles and the Cowboys are in. Cowboys right now are going to be the five seed, um, likely playing Tampa on the road in the first round. Vikings have locked up a playoff spot and the division more than likely i don't it says yeah they think it says yeah they've they've clinched division and they have a clinched playoff spot the buccaneers are are only a game ahead of all three other teams atlanta started desmond ritter last week and it was ugly they lost to the saints the saints are crap too but they still have a chance and carolina for steve wilkes has and they've played three quarterbacks or four quarter three quarterbacks this year or four quarterbacks this year been absolutely insane. Baker Mayfield now plays for the LA Rams and Steve Wilkes has somehow or another gotten this team to a point where they might be able to be a force, win a division, be a four seed. And Tepper uh, would actually have a hard decision if he were to, and it would look bad if he let him go um, if that happens. But Tampa Bay, they're still there. You got Brady, but it's not going well this year. Niners have a three, uh, have won the division, as we mentioned earlier. So the Rams and Cardinals are are an abomination. The Rams are the worst defending champion since the Denver Broncos in 1999. Earliest the, the defending Super Bowl champion has been eliminated from the playoffs ever. So Sean McVay is kind of wishing he went to Amazon Prime. Uh Bills have locked up a playoff spot, but the division isn't uh, locked up yet because they still they only they have a three game lead, but they could probably lock it up this weekend. And um, the Bengals right now are only a game ahead of the 
Ravens or Ravens are on. They may have Lamar Jackson back. They may be playing Tyler Huntley. Don't really know. Um, I mean, the fact is in the, the with the East is interesting, but with the playoffs, the Jets, of course, are playing tomorrow against Josh's Jacksonville Jaguars, who are only a game behind the Titans, who now are going to yeah, I didn't see the news about Ryan Tannehill, but um, that means they're going to be playing. Uh, what the hell is the the backup guy? Um, um, Malik Willis. Malik Willis from Liberty. Yeah. So Malik Willis, the rookie, will uh, be starting in, in limited action. Malik Willis has, has struggled. So their offense is already not good. And then they're one-dimensional. And now you're putting a rookie quarterback in the mix, too. They have no wide receivers. They have no tight ends. Their offensive line is meh. And then Derrick Henry can't do everything. Um, So it's not looking good for them. Jacksonville's running all cylinders right now. So looking good for them. Of course, you know, Kermit the Frog and Andrew Ryad. um, And the Chiefs, they win the division for a seventh year in a row. So in terms of the playoffs, let's get it. Playoffs? Um, right now, so for the, we'll start with the NFC, uh, four of the playoff spots are locked up. Of course, the Eagles, Vikings, and Niners, Niners are only our game behind the Vikings. Dallas Cowgirls locked up a playoff spot will likely be the number one wild card. The Buccaneers, along with everybody in that division are still, uh, in the race for that four seed to hold a home playoff game. The Giants are are moved up to the sixth seed and then they will they're playing the vikings of course this weekend washington's playing the niners this weekend and then on the bubble seattle which is a half game behind and the lions with motor city dan campbell are seven and seven both of them uh seattle has to go to the chiefs or at i think they're going or uh, to the chiefs so that's pretty rough and then the Lions are playing the Panthers, so that's a swing game. If the Lions win that, then Panthers more than likely are done. Uh, Panthers somehow win. Um, it opens up a door for the Packers if they can beat the Dolphins on Sunday, on Christmas Day. Aaron could backdoor himself into the playoffs with, I mean, what has been a pretty atrocious season. And then, uh, yeah, so that's really what it is there in the in the AFC. The Bills and the Chiefs have have clinched a playoff spot. Bills have not clinched a division as of yet, but likely will after beating the Bears this weekend. Cincinnati, of course, has that game lead on Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore's situation at quarterback is key to if they're going to be able to um, move, swing that back around. Bengals are playing the Patriots this weekend. Tennessee's playing the Texans, so... Even with Malik Willis at quarterback, I think they have a pretty good chance. But to be honest, the Texans the last two weeks have been have played really, really well. They they could have beat the Kansas City Chiefs, which is something. Um, of course, Kansas City lost to Indianapolis earlier this year. So, and then they 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 should have beat the Cowgirls too. So who knows? Maybe they go and win. They finally get a second win. Uh, the Chargers are now moved up to the sixth seed. And Miami has dropped to seven. 
Uh, Chargers play Indianapolis. Miami's playing the Packers, as I mentioned earlier. Baltimore is playing Atlanta Falcons with Desmond Ritter, as I mentioned, the rookie from Cincinnati. New England dropped out of the playoffs or a game behind along with the Jets. The Jets are playing Jacksonville, who is right behind them. Uh, the Raiders are playing the Steelers this weekend on the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, and I'd be remiss uh, to with uh, Pat today. Uh, the great Franco Harris passed away at the age of 72. The man that caught the Immaculate Reception ran it in and essentially put the Pittsburgh Steelers on the map. And uh, Hall of Famer, one of the great running backs in history, NFL, one of the great people, and uh, passed away to this morning, or we heard about that this morning. And so now that that game has more significance in terms of, you know, with Franco Harris um, is passing. So that will, um, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Indianapolis, on our other, still has a chance to backdoor their way, but they're going to need a lot of help. They're going to probably get eliminated this weekend because they're, they haven't, they've won one game, they beat the Raiders, and since then they've been trash. Um, so, yeah, that's what it is in the NFL this uh, this year right now. So, got a couple of weeks to go. We'll be back, uh, what is it, in week, after week 18 or no? Yeah, we'll be, we'll be back after week 18, and we'll tell you who's going to be in the playoffs at that point. So, and we'll give you the results on who wins fall brawl as well. Uh, time for the F1 season review. So, in that there's been some news, of course. Uh, you know, F1 is becoming like FIFA and uh, some other aspects of our our lives in terms of social media. They're banning personal and political statements, which is convenient, largely because they are in bed with uh, the Saudis and and Qatar and and uh, Bahrain and some of these other dictatorship countries. So it kind of makes a lot of sense. Um, the, the Formula One is going down a bad path, but Hey, they got drive to survive. They got lots of fans. Americans are watching cause they have on, they have non, no commercial commercial free coverage. Yeah. At what, at what cost? Uh, I mean, the, the main piece of course was fish lips, uh, going and, uh, winning 15 races, uh, last in 2022. They did, uh, did the job for sure. They had the best car, the whole entire, year or for the majority of the year and he he was able to win his first legitimate world championship and um you know but i think red bull had the right idea in terms of the the new formula new aerodynamic the new aero and the new style cars they were ready for that and they made the right car you know, they struggled with reliability early in the season the first two out of the first three races fell out with fish lips, but then after that, uh, Verstappen only lost what five more times the the rest, or yeah, I'm trying to get one, two, three, four, five, yeah, five more times the rest of the year. So, so he won 15 out of 23 races, and um, he had stretches of winning. He had three wins in a row, then two, then five, which is where basically locked it up from Ricard all the way through Monza. So the whole the end of basically the end of the European season, last five European races, he won basically closed the championship there. Um, then he won three races, the North, the Japan, and then the North, the American swing. Um, 
wasn't in there for uh, Brazil, and which was fine, and then won the last race of the year. So I guess, uh, I mean, we he did the job this year, Josh, and he actually legitimately won it. But um, we'll see what it means next year and what Red Bull does uh, to see how they can go and keep progressing in terms of who they have to face uh, next year. Yeah, we'll see, you know, for next year with Max Verstappen, of course, Red Bull extremely dominant this year. Um, you know, that had a great year, of course, with Verstappen. And, of course, Sergio Perez uh, had a decent year himself, winning two races and 11 podiums. Uh, so, you know, both of those drivers, great year. Um, didn't finish the one-two sweep, but, you know, they sandwiched uh, between him and Leclerc uh you know, to get the main, the constructor's title as well. So uh great year by Red Bull, of course. And, um, you know, I think they benefited a lot from this new, you know, the new package or the new rules and everything. And, um, you know, they were the team that figured it out. Of course, you know, they had the cost cap issues as well, which probably helped uh, them achieve this. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they were able to, um, set the pace for the entire season. Um, you know, the beginning of the year, they traded races with Ferrari, um, of course, but, you know, Ferrari uh, continued to make mistakes throughout the year, um, you know, and pretty much after Monaco uh, is basically, uh, you know, Ferrari lost pace with uh, with Red Bull, and um, you saw Max go on that, that huge winning streak um, from Ricard all the way down, you know, you know, through Monza. So, you know, this, this is a, a very dominant season for that team and um, can't ask for anything more from a driver in terms of that. But, you know, at the same time, from a series perspective, you know, I think you want to see more competitiveness. Um, yeah, it's legitimate, but, you know, want to see, want to see more challenge to that, right? You know, at least have a little excitement, but, you know, not all that different from, you know, what we've seen uh, in the past for, First, um, you know, Formula One, other drivers have also dominated seasons. So, you know, we'll have to see next year. Do they get a challenge from Ferrari or Mercedes? You know, can uh, Ferrari with Leclerc and Carlos Sainz, uh, of course, their team direct manager resigned. They have a new manager. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But can they get a challenge from them? Lewis, can he come back from a winless year and challenge Verstappen, perhaps? come down to another Verstappen versus Hamilton for the title, perhaps, maybe, we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, a really dominant year from uh, Max Verstappen and, um, you know, uh, had the title locked up a long, long time ago and uh, pretty much, you know, was able to have a victory tour for, like, the last, like, you know, couple of months of the season. Um, so, you know, Verstappen, uh, at least, he has two, you know, multiple titles to his name, so you know he's able to take that and claim that. But you know, I'd like to like to see how he's challenged next next year, especially uh, since now he'll have two consecutive years of racing under this you know new formula that changed at the end of twenty twenty one. So we'll have to see. But uh, yeah, very very impressive year from Ferrari or from Red Bull overall. Yeah, because Checo Perez was up there, and uh, when it comes to his battle with. Uh, what do you call Charlie Claire? They had a, a battle all the way to the end and Eclair beat him by three points for second in the world championship. Uh, Leclerc of course had three wins. Perez at two 
uh, separated by one podium. Leclerc had 12 to Perez's 11. Leclerc led the series with 10 poles, uh, but only got three wins out of that, which is not good. And um, a lot of those races, of course, Verstappen was the benefactor. Then, um, so when it comes to Red Bull, first and third, dominated constructors, destroyed constructors, and Ferrari was able to hold on for second. Mercedes ended up finishing third. That was the way it was the whole year. Mercedes had went with a alternative to with the no side pod formula. I think, excuse me, I think Williams also did that. I'm not, I'm trying to remember off the top how many other teams kind of did that. I think Aston, well, Aston just did not do a good job at the start of the year. I think those two teams were the only two teams that did the zero side pod and it didn't work because on top of that, trying to run the car as low as they had, they wanted to, to get the new um, diffusers and uh, getting the, a, um, what do you call the downforce change? They went and made it more with the under trays and the floor instead of with the wings and other aspects of the uh, car. And the car was really rough to drive and it really screwed up uh, Lewis and, and George at times this year. Uh, yeah, the Ferrari roller coaster. Josh mentioned it. They've they've hired a new uh, team principal in um, Fred Vasseur, formerly of of Sauber, formerly of other uh, teams. So he's been around a long time, very experienced. But having to come in to replace a guy who's been a Ferrari guy in, um, in the what is it, Bonato, you know, is is rough. Ferrari, it's trying to win there. It hasn't been easy. They haven't really been a consistent winner, honestly, since, you know, Schumacher retired. And so we're talking about 16 years ago when, when he retired. Um, so that's, that's crazy. You know, they've won one world championship since then. And that was mainly because Ron Dennis fucked up. Uh, so that the, in multiple ways or else the, that wouldn't have been a world championship either. And Kimi Raikkonen wouldn't have won a world championship, but whatever. God bless him. Uh, the amount of mistakes they made this year in strategy calls, the pit road miscues, the um, then then you add the the litany of errors that uh, both Carl, both Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz had. If you're trying to compete for a world championship, you can't do that. Uh, and they're going to have to clean all that up in 23 to have a shot against uh fish lips um in terms of um did you have anything to add on that josh in terms of the ferrari uh struggles they had i mean they finished second in constructors and they won four races but i they probably could add a lot more out of this year if they did things a lot better no yeah i think you know if they had executed their strategy um you know a lot better than what they you know what happened you know i think um we would have seen a lot more competitive season from them. Um, you know, they opened the year two out of three with Leclerc, you know, winning uh, there, you know, but then after that, you know, they just had issues uh, throughout, you know, throughout the season, um, you know, for Leclerc, you know, great year, two out of three to start the year. Um, and then Miami, you know, started on pole there, but, ended up finishing second to uh, Verstappen. And you know, I think Verstappen did have a better pace there, you know, finished three seconds ahead of him. But, you know, there's always an opportunity 
um, you know, at, at uh, Monaco, you know, I think Ferrari both, they both had a chance to potentially, you know, win uh, going into that, you know, race. Remember year before in 21, Leclerc didn't even make it out of the, um, you know, starting grid, you know, they had the issues there and, uh, you know, had the pole, but couldn't race in the race. And it was a really embarrassing situation for Ferrari. But this year, you know, Leclerc finished or started on the pole, then led the first 17 laps. But then strategy, they messed up again. And then Carlos Sainz was also able to pressure Sergio, like take the lead. And then he ended up relinquishing it to Sergio Perez. And then at the end was able to um, stay on the tail of Sergio Perez. But, you know, both of those cars had a chance to win the Monaco Grand Prix. And, you know, I think due to Ferrari's strategy there, they, you know, they failed to do so. And of course that's Formula One. That's the one race that you want to win, you know, outside the championship, I think. And, you know, I think two years in a row where they had a legitimate shot going into the event to win, they failed. You know, I think that's, you know, reflects on their season. And, you know, I think there's a reason why um, they're going away from, uh, you know, from their management from this year, um, you know, Benito, uh, I don't, I don't know his name actually. Uh, Mattia Benatti. Yeah. Yeah. Benatti. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's very clear why they're moving away from him and going, you know, going to somebody else. So um, if it weren't for that, you know, if he was actually successful, he'd still have a job and everything. So, um, you know, I think it's very clear from my perspective that, you know, they gone in a different direction uh, there and they're trying something else. So, um, you know, I think uh, Ferrari, they have a chance to recover. You know, they did show great pace, of course, you know, throughout the year. Of course, you know, Charles Leclerc won many polls, you know, won uh, 10, you know, 10 polls and uh, Carlos Sainz added three more polls. Carlos Sainz also got his first win in uh, Silverstone. So there's that, but, you know, they left a lot on the table. So we'll have to see, you know, next year if uh, they can begin to challenge Red Bull on a more consistent week-to-week basis. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we'll see what Fred Vasseur can do. Uh, Benato was a Ferrari guy through and through, started as a mechanic, um, worked on the team, was part of Michael Schumacher's uh, crew when he was winning those championships to become, was the team principal. It's one of the probably uh, most thankless jobs in all of motorsports, but with all the pressure and expectations that come from the Tifosi. Uh, Checo Perez, I mentioned him earlier. Of course, he won a couple of races, but in large part, he basically laid down for Max Verstappen. Uh, He was made into a guinea pig at times, which he lost confidence during the middle of the year, which is kind of where... Uh, the championship got away from him. He was somewhat close to Verstappen early in the year, was a little faster than him at times, but then it got away from him. And by the end, he was just a domestique, which to be honest, that's what Red Bull does. And they screwed him out of a win at Mexico, which they should have had. Um, then you have uh, Verstappen saying, I don't pull over. I'm not going to give the position back, this, that, and the other thing. Cause he said that uh, Perez crashed intentionally at, at Monaco, uh, then something came out where he said they're saying Perez said that he did or something like whatever. I mean, Red Bull, they, they're they going down the path where the same way that Vettel and Mark Webber did. 
So that's something we have to look at for for next year because you have Liam Lawson now in Super Formula and trying to come back and run uh, Formula One in 2024. You have Nick DeVries, who's going to be in an Alpha Tori next year, who has experience and is uh, friends supposedly with uh, Verstappen. Just as two examples, uh, and then you know Red Bull's got a wide berth and of drivers, a lot of them in Formula 2, Wasa, uh, other ones there. So who knows uh, what will come of that. Checo's been steady enough. He's been um, more of a, uh, given more of a fight compared to some of the other teammates that uh, Verstappen has had in his career there. So we'll see with Checo, but he had a career best finish and a third in the standings, got his first pole at Saudi, Wins two races, as you mentioned earlier. Wins Monaco. So, I mean, it's it, there's there's something to be said about that. But I think he's wanting more. I would think he would have wanted more out of this season, Checo. But he wasn't given that opportunity. Um, in terms of Mercedes, that's uh, an interesting... After how many years in a row since 2014 winning the Constructors' Championship... This first year since 2014, no Constructors' Championship. For the first time in his career, Lewis Hamilton didn't win a pole or a race. But George Russell won a pole and a race as uh, as the teammate for the first year at Mercedes to Lewis Hamilton, the eventual leader of the Mercedes Formula One program. Uh, stood out in 2021, getting Williams up the grid again getting podiums for Williams and great qualifyings and all that, which basically made uh, uh, Valtteri Bottas uh, dispensable uh, because his performance and incon- his inconsistencies, not only in qualifying, but definitely in the race, were issues. And George Russell with a terrible car. Mercedes probably made the worst car they made since 2012. And... They and probably legitimately one of the two or three worst cars Lewis has ever had. The 2009 McLaren can compete with that, but even the 2009 McLaren, they started fixing it. They started figuring things out. He was able to win poles and win races by by the time the middle of the season. Um, never turned around that way for him this year, largely due to the domination of fish lips. Uh, I mean, I guess the way to look at this, Josh, is. Do you, I mean, to me, of course, I, my bias aside, I mean, I, Lewis is one of the greatest drivers ever. The stats speak for themselves. Uh, he's motivated. He's going to continue racing for a while, it seems. But now he has a teammate again. Uh, this only the second time legitimately he's been beaten for in by a teammate because 2016 was not, same way as 2021 was not legitimate either, um, no matter what you want to say. Uh, you can go suck it if you really think that either of those championships were won legitimately. Um, since the only other other than Jensen Button, the first teammate that's legitimately beaten Lewis Hamilton is George Russell, and he's much younger. He's hungry, but he's but the thing is, he brings he brings that pace and and but he also brings a calm and he brings a and a balance to the team where he's not a. Uh, He's not somebody that's going to go and make huge waves. So in that sense, he's kind of quiet, unassuming, but he does his work behind the wheel. 
Lewis is flashy. Of course, FIA don't want him to be flashy anymore. So I guess you're going to piss him off. If you want to motivate him, they're giving him, him enough things to be motivated about um, and make him come back with the W14, do work again like he's done for most of his career. But going and have seeing Lewis Hamilton struggle this year was was weird. It's been a while. But then you also have to give credit to George Russell for what he did with a car that was definitely not uh, good and to finish to finish uh, fourth in the world championship, beating Carlos Sainz by, what is it, uh, 21, 29 points. And that's and only 30 points behind Sergio Perez, 33 behind Charles Leclerc. Um, eight podium finishes, Lewis got him by one on that. He got two poles, none for Lewis, and of course one win versus the none. Average of 5.4, which is right there essentially with Leclerc and Perez. Average finish, ran at the finish of all but one race. The one race that he the, didn't was a British Grand Prix, and that was largely because he was checking on his friend Alex Albon, or, and then Guan Yu Zhou too, um, after the massive first uh turn wreck that took place there um i i mean is it a changing of the guard at mercedes are we seeing that now or do do you believe josh that lewis is going to come back and and with a with the mindset of just wanting to destroy not just his teammate but the likes of Verstappen and and others that could be in his way of a possible eighth world championship so i mean this is what i think you know, I, I think it. We're in a transition period. It's very transitory for uh, Lewis Hamilton and George Russell. I think Lewis is still capable of winning races um, and everything, and I think he could still win a championship. But I think the difference between George Russell and uh, you know somebody like Valtteri Bottas, who he replaced, I think they have the future in mind. Uh, for Russell, that he's going to be the guy at some point. Because I think all the other teammates that Lewis, you know, well, you know, uh, Nico Rosberg and then Valtteri Botas, I think those guys were clearly, I think, you know, they had, you know, the mindset that those guys were complimenting Lewis Hamilton during his run, uh, you know, at, at Mercedes. But now George Russell has come along and he's still, I think, pushing Lewis Hamilton, but he's not just complimenting him. He's going to be the guy at some point, um, whether that's after next year or in two years. Um, at some point, he's going to be the guy, unless he leaves, you know, uh, which I don't think he would. I think they have a lot invested in him right now. Um, so I think, you know, he, he's going to be the guy at some point. And I think that's the difference between um, and what makes him, you know, challenging to Lewis Hamilton. Um and you, you saw him, like I said, you saw him, or you said, win this year. And um, he's shown his ability to compete at Formula One. And, you know, he's been better than Lewis this whole year. Uh, you know, Lewis, you know, got legitimately beaten, you know, and from George Russell. So, you know, that's how it is right now. But I think Lewis can come back next year and potentially recover. And, you know, I think... Uh, He'd like to try to win the world championship at least one more time. So I think you're going to see Lewis Hamilton come back next year and be um, with a renewed focus, I guess. And uh, one, try to 
be better than his teammate, but then also at least have it, the opportunity to challenge the likes of Leclerc and Verstappen for a Formula One title, uh, which you know would be his eighth world title if he's able to do it uh, in 2023. So, yeah, I think Lewis still has the ability. I think it's just up to Mercedes to give him the car and also give him a good strategy uh, to be able to um, pull off that achievement. And, you know, we've seen this year from Lewis, he's had opportunities, you know, going throughout the year. Of course, Silverstone, of course, while he didn't win that one, he was up there and made some pretty good moves at the end of the race to potentially get second, although it didn't happen. But, you know, he still made some pretty exciting moves there at the end of that race. Uh, Spa, you know, was up front there for a bit until, um, you know, he ended up having to drop out of that race. But um, he got in with with Fish. Yeah, with Verstappen, yes. And, you know, he's able able to at least show that he still had a pulse leading up into that. But, you know, fortunately ran into Verstappen and uh, ended his race there. So there are still some points where, you know, Lewis had good moments, you know, throughout the year, but they weren't as many, obviously, as 2021 or 2020 or even before that. So, uh, you know, we'll see next year if Lewis and George Russell can compete with Red Bull. But, you know, I think I think he knows that, you know, there's not a whole lot of time left you know, knowing how some of his peers have now retired from Formula One, you know, we've seen a lot of the guys that he raced with when he was, you know, coming into his own as a Formula One driver now retired or they lost their rides. Um, of course, uh, Sebastian Vettel, who, you know, he's close with off the track and everything and someone who he greatly admires and respects is now retired. And, you know, he was one of the challengers for uh, Lewis's titles for a few years and when he was with Ferrari and, uh, you know, with, with Red Bull. So, you know, I think, uh, Lewis was losing somebody on the grid that, um, you know, was able to provide a legitimate challenge to him. And, you know, he's people from his era are now, you know, up and gone except for Fernando Alonso somehow. But, um, yeah, I think he is going to, you know, the last of, you know, his era of formula one racers and, um, you know, going to have to, at least prove himself one more time against this, you know, new generation, I guess, uh, of Formula One drivers that have come up in the, you know, last four or five years, and especially the last, you know, two or three years with guys like Leclerc and George Russell, his teammates. So, um, and of course, Max Verstappen, who's been around for, you know, 2016 and everything, 2015. So it's actually been quite a while, but it doesn't feel that long uh, for Verstappen. So, and he's still, you know, pretty young for a F1 driver. Uh, in terms of his age. So um, Lewis, of course, um, getting closer to 40, so uh, not getting any younger and everything. And, of course, you know, we've seen this year with the Formula One uh, issues with their uh, porpoising and Lewis complaining of physical pain, back pain, and stuff like that throughout. Well, Russell did, but I know Lewis had also issues with that. So um, there's that, too, that they might have to deal with. But um, certainly... Uh, I think he still has the drive to compete and potentially get an eighth title. Definitely see about that for sure. Um, and hopefully, uh, not just my bias aside, I, hopefully that can come to pass because he's. you can say that at least there's been at least three times in his career that championships have slipped out of his fingers that in theory weren't all on him. Um, but, you know, that's beside the point. He'd have 10 if that's the case, and then nobody could talk. But um, 
It is what it is. We'll see what happens in 2023 and the W14, what they can do with that car to make it worthwhile so that Lewis and George can compete not only for driver's championship, race wins, polls, but also um, uh, constructors. Next piece uh, is the midfield. There's a lot uh, going on there in the midfield. If we go and look at it after the top three teams, Alpine gets fourth in the constructors over McLaren, largely because Alpine had two drivers that were competing basically the whole year uh, versus one for McLaren. No, I mean, Daniel Ricciardo was basically non-existent for the last two years outside of winning the Italian Grand Prix and in 21. Other than that, his whole entire time at McLaren was a nightmare. He's going to be taking a year off, driving as a... Uh, some sort of like test driver. I don't even know. He's, he's just going to be a, uh, oh, like an overrated, uh, lackey for Red Bull next year, driving and doing show appearances and crap. Um, but he's out of driving in formula one. And I have a hard time believing he's going to get back into a seat. Fred Alonso and Esteban Ocon, the relationship dissolved, which is typical of Fred Alonso. Cause he's an asshole, um, and a douche who has a Napoleon complex and is jealous of Lewis Hamilton and him and Max Verstappen probably blow each other. But the thing is, either way, he's now going over to go and blow Lauren Stroll and um, that'll work out really well for him. But Esteban Ocon will get to be with his quote, air quote, friend, uh, Pierre Gasly, who had a terrible year this year with AlphaTauri, which we'll get to in a moment. But they'll do all French lineup see what happens with that there uh, next year. But the reliability for Renault was a major problem. Uh, as you, it seems like that's been a case with this for engine formula since 2014, um, Karen Horner buried them uh, years ago and that ended that relationship. So we'll see with that. Uh, McLaren will bring in Oscar Piastri. There was a lot of controversy with that uh, during the summer uh, between going to Alpine, where he was contracted to, um, basically put Otmar Safnau got exposed for being the hack that he has been for years, um, and lost not only Piastri but Fred Alonso and the process do uh, because of Sebastian Vettel's retirement, and uh, so we'll see what happens there. Alfa Romeo tied with Aston Martin. Alfa Romeo scored a lot of their points earlier in this season. Um, Aston Martin made a run late in the season, largely due to Vettel's um, work and and energy. Um, even though they gave him terrible strategy uh, for the majority of the year, uh, he did the job to get them there in a lot of ways. And Stroll was the beneficiary. In the end, they and count back in best position, best finish in a race. Botas had that earlier in the year, so. They Alpha Sauber win get that position and the extra money that comes with it. Of course, Sauber announced that Audi will be buying into the team and there will be a power unit supplier and a whole bit factory effort 2026. Which, when you think about Peter Sauber, when the original when he brought this team to Formula One, they were a Mercedes team with Ilmore engines way back when, and they were the Mercedes factory sports car team before that, where a certain M Schumacher used to drive for that uh, team. 
So going full circle in a sense, of course, with different German manufacturer. Uh, then with after that, Haas, if you ask the Europeans, or Haas, um, if you ask us in the United States, and Alpha Tori, Haas was able to get eighth by two points, and they finished last last year uh, because of Egghead um, and having a, a dumpster fire of a car. But this year, Kevin Magnuson got called in at the 13th hour or whatever, uh, or 23rd hour, 19th or whatever the thing is, and he brought stability to the organization. He won the pole at the Brazilian Grand Prix, which was outstanding. Uh, he did a great job considering how inconsistent the car was. Yeah, he'd have some moments, he'd have some rough races, but he did what he had to do. And that team is still needing a little bit. They need more funding. They got a new sponsor in MoneyGram, and um, hopefully that'll help them. Uh, Mick Schumacher did make strides. He finally scored points in Formula One, but his huge crashes that he had at street course races, specifically Saudi and Monaco, were a blight on his career, uh, and Haas decided to move on from him. They're going to pick up Nico Hulkenberg, who's getting yet another shot in Formula One, so going all veteran, and then Gunther Steiner, two years after going all rookie, is going all veteran, and saying, no, we didn't make a mistake by signing Egghead and, and Mick Schumacher, but you did make a mistake by signing Egghead and Mick Schumacher. If, if you don't have either of them there after two years after you signed them. Uh, so, but they want, they get those, that eighth in constructors, Alpha Tori, one of their worst years uh, in, since they started in formula one took over for the McLaren, or I mean, a minority team. And uh, Pierre Gasly leaves, finally leaves Red Bull to go to Alpine. Yuki Sonoda has a lot of pressure on him in his third season, trying to compete. Uh, now with Nick DeVries as his teammate. And will he ever get that call to go to, to Red Bull? Or is he just going to be go back and drive Super Formula? Uh, that's a question there. Um, Williams was right dead last. Most of that work was done by Alex Albon. Um, Alex Albon had a major health scare and still came back and was still better than uh, freaking Nicholas Latifi to the point where Nicholas Latifi was essentially canned at the U.S. Grand Prix for Logan Sargent, pending, of course, the super license points, and he did get those at Abu Dhabi. So Logan Sargent will be the first American driver since Scott Speed to run a full season in Formula One, and that was 2006, so 17 years ago. Uh, I guess, I mean, I don't know where you want to go on that, Josh. I mean, I went through all the rest of the teams, but... The in, I think the intriguing battle was Alpine and McLaren. That one was the one that lasted the whole year. The Alphas and Martin battle only came along late in the season. Haas had done work here and there, very inconsistent. And AlphaTauri, um, they missed the boat with their car, and uh, they paid the price with it there. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, there's a lot of angles to take with that. And, yeah, I mean, I think the... You know, most intriguing, like you said, was the out of those was the McLaren and uh, Alpine battle throughout the year. Of course, battled on the track and off the track, right? Uh, you know, the Oscar Piastri or you know, Oliver Piastri uh, fiasco, contract fiasco, because sure, yeah, it's supposed to go to um, supposed to go to Alpine, and then nope, goes to McLaren. Zach Brown stealing him. 
uh, there. And of course, Zach Brown stealing other drivers from in other series, right? But, um, and they, they could also go to Formula One too, but, you know, they competed on the track as well. And, you know, I think for most of the year, um, I feel like Alpine was actually better than um, McLaren for a good bit, but Lando was doing a lot of the heavy lifting uh, for McLaren, uh, you know, Esteban Ocon and um, Fernando Alonso, you know, they both had their moments throughout the year as teammates. Um, uh, but, you know, they had issues, you know, towards the end of it. And of course, you know, had some issues mechanically throughout the year for both of their drivers um, at Alpine. And, you know, Fernando had a lot of mechanical issues throughout the, the year. So according to you know, including the last race of the year, water pump failing in Abu Dhabi. So, uh, you know, an unfortunate end to the partnership there with him and uh, Alpine. But, you know, I think they were overall better as a team there than uh, McLaren, of course, was Lando was carrying the flag, like I just said, and didn't have to really, you know, he was competitive at m multiple points of the season. But, you know, Ricardo just wasn't there uh, throughout the entire year. And, you know, didn't really score points very very often and if he did he was always towards the back of you know the points grid so uh you know for uh ricardo you know just a disappointing season uh for him and you know even though he was the guy that actually won a race uh for mclaren of course last year at monza um you know he's not the future at mclaren lando norris is and uh you know norris has more potential as a driver than uh ricardo you know so, uh, unfortunate to that partnership and, you know, just wasn't, could never find his, you know, pace, his groove, whatever you want to call it throughout the year. It just seems like he was never comfortable with the car for whatever reason, um, and had issues being able to push the car, you know, throughout the year. So, uh, for, uh, Ricardo, not a great year uh, at all. And, uh, definitely didn't help, you know, in the battle between, uh, Alpine and McLaren throughout the year. So. Um, you know, I think uh, th those two teams were fairly competitive throughout the year. Um, but, you know, I think um, I'm, you know, interested interested in how that works out next year because, you know, Pierre Gasly is coming uh, up to uh, uh, Alpine and he's been a really good driver at uh, uh, AlphaTauri throughout the year and in the last couple of years. And, you know, he's um, somebody that, I think has a lot of potential. So I think him and Espan Ocon, of course, they were, you know, teammates and, you know, competitors going back to the karting days. So I think they should, you know, those two drivers should pair well um, and, you know, be be very friendly, you know, with uh, one another. So I think that's going to be a good pairing and we should see a lot of results, you know, go, um, going into next year. And, you know, I'd like to see next year Lando Norris potentially win a race. Um, you know, I think he has the potential, you know, had a, almost had a chance and, you know, in Russia last year, but, you know, ran out of the luck uh, to be able to do that. And I think maybe next year he'll have an opportunity um, to potentially win a race. So that should be interesting if he's able to finally win one. He's you know, been on the grid now for three years, uh, four years now. So uh, Lando, um, you know, he's a good driver, a young driver, but, you know, just hasn't been able to take that next step into you know, being consistently competitive, uh, you know, for McLaren and, you know, being able to be a somebody who's on that level, like uh, Charles Leclerc or Max Verstappen, and, and I think uh, as a team, McLaren has a long way to go in, ter in terms of pace. Um, you know, I think 
the other one that really intrigued me out of you know what you were talking about, you know, with Haas, you know, they actually won a poll uh, with Kevin Magnussen in uh, Brazil. So, you know, really a um, highlight of their year was being able to take advantage of the opportunity to get a poll. But you know, outside of that, uh, you know, they had some success early on in the season, but you know, at the end of the year, um, it was clear that you know they had a lot of uh, inconsistencies throughout their team uh, throughout the season um, that you know really held them back from really you know taking that next step as a team. You know, compared to last year, obviously it was a lot better, but you know at the same time, uh, you know they had really a opportunity to um, be better um, considering the changes to this car. You know, I think this is one of the teams that you know with the new regulations, I think. Um, they're on the lower end, of course, compared to, um, you know, the rest of the sport compared to giants like Red Bull and Mercedes. Um, and this was supposed to help them equalize things, but, you know, they just had inconsistent results throughout the year. Um, and, you know, with mechanical failures and, um, just having a lack of pace. So, uh, you know, Magnuson, great job throughout the year. Uh, Mick Schumacher, not as much. Um, now he's going over to Ferrari to be a test driver, which may end up being better anyways, but, you know, at the same time, Mercedes. Mercedes, right? Mercedes. Yeah. So I'm reading, I'm reading the, uh, I, I said that Ferrari and that's because I had the, the Ferrari wiki page up and yeah. It, yeah test drivers listed, uh, as he, used to, he was a yeah. part of the Ferrari yeah. Academy and left it. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. Now he's going to Mercedes and yeah, that's my mistake there. Um, that's but, all good. yeah, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, a lot of the, you know, interest and, um, you know, of course next year, uh, for, you know, some of these teams like, um, Aston Martin, you know, they're getting Fernando Alonso for a bit and, uh, he's going to be paired with Lance Stroll, which, uh, wonder if that's going to be his final stop before he calls it a career. Um, we'll see, um, replacing Sebastian Vettel, but, um, not sure how their pace is going to be for 2023, but it should be interesting and maybe they might be semi-competitive, uh, for the points we'll see, but yeah, I mean, you know, this, um, press of the grid, you know, we'll see what happens, but I think, you know, the focus, I think like to see McLaren be more competitive and I think Alpine can be a lot more competitive. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, each, each of these teams, you know, had, had their moments throughout the year, both, um, good and bad. And, you know, you saw some of it, you know, Fernando Alonso, um, was competitive, you know, throughout the year, um, qualified really well at some, some racetracks, of course, uh, qualified, uh, in qualified in, I'm pulling up his chart, qualified second in Canada. Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. In Canada. I was, I was going to say you qualified in the poll, but I know he didn't do that, but he qualified second in Montreal and, and was fairly competitive there. So, you know, um, some of these, you know, these old guys still has, still has the pace, you know, of course, you know, might be a jerk, but you know, still has the ability to compete. So, um, think uh, we'll we'll see how he does next year at his new new job at Aston Martin. But yeah, um, interesting year I think from you know from the rest of the grid, and we'll see where they end up next year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, their amount of changes. Uh, we of course losing uh, Sebastian Vettel to retirement. Uh, one of the great drivers, four-time world champion, fifty-three wins. Um, good amount of polls so third all time and wins in formula one history four world championships has him tied with uh alan prost um he's behind 
only three men, uh, one of them being his mentor in Michael Schumacher, of course, Lewis, who was essentially a, you know, they came in around the same time as Josh mentioned, and then uh, Juan Manuel Fangio. So who drove for, for two of those guys, of course, drove for Ferrari, just like Sebastian Vettel. He won those four championships in a row for Red Bull. And now it kind of seems like that's the pattern we're seeing now, um, all these years later with uh, fish lips. We'll see if that actually does stick. Uh, I mean, uh, we had a mention of changes at uh, Williams, of course, Logan Sargent will be coming in. And then the Hulkenberg for Haas, then mention Aston Martin, um, the other rookie, so Sargent. And uh, Nick DeVries will be a rookie with uh, Alpha Tori and Oscar Piastri at McLaren. So will be the three rookies next year. Uh, no changes in the top three teams in the championship. The all French lineup at Alpine, um, Alpha Romeo Sauber stays the same. And then uh, I think, yeah, that's, that is what, it, what's, uh, what's up there. Mick Schumacher, uh, of course, they mention also that he'll be Mercedes test driver. So it'll be interesting to see how that all works out for the W. He can do different organization after being a part of Ferrari's driver development program for many years. And uh, maybe he can take that step forward that he really wants to. The big news from a few from last week was all the changes with team principals. Mattia Bonato leaving after many years at Ferrari uh then Joe Scapito leaves Williams and then their technical director also left. So they're having to replace two major people. This is crazy. Fred Vasseur, as I mentioned earlier, goes from Sauber to Ferrari. Andreas Seidel returns to Sauber um, from McLaren, leaves McLaren to go to Sauber to be a big part of the Audi deal um, uh, getting off the ground. And then Andreas Stella gets promoted at McLaren to team principals. So a lot going on in there in that sense. I mean, Seidel was part of Porsche's sports car program, the 919 uh, LMP, and then also their, of course, 911 GT program. And um, the so that's a interesting move. And then, Right, yeah, and so they they still need a team principal, but I said he was a team principal, but Seidel's going in uh, as a CEO, so he's going to be above that. So that's you get a promotion in that sense, so that's good. And then um, Seidel will go complete his contract until 25, move to Audi. Seidel was keen to move back to kind of, eh. Then Ferrari, oh, yeah, so it all kind of exploded because of all this movement. Uh and then Williams, Reed, yeah, that's that one is the one um, because of considering how things are. Of course, no point you're getting only eight points. Um, that's uh, that's not a, that's not enough. And trying to go and make changes, uh, high turnover. Is that a, you know, yeah. So that's uh, something. Uh, the the issues technical wise are something you have to look at they're gonna to have to hire uh two main people so that's it's gonna be a struggle and it might be a real struggle for logan Sargent next year i mean alex albon did what he could and did he did all he did all right considering circumstances there um audi of course committed honda also committed to the new 
formula for 2026. It sounds like Red Bull is going to be making their own engine in 2026 power unit. So there's all those pieces are there. Of course, Mercedes, Ferrari, Alpine, and Renault, I think, are also uh, in playing a part in that. So we'll see what happens with power unit. Uh, there were rumors Ford might be coming back in some capacity to possibly connect with Red Bull in a badging deal, but that'll be to be determined. They've been busy for it. We'll get into that in the roundup. Uh, but yeah, so plenty of that in Formula One. And uh, I'll mention one other thing because I men- mentioned that banned personal and political statements because they're just turning into, they're trying to turn it into a dictatorship just like it was in a sense with, with the, the troll, but to a, to a higher extent. Uh, it's almost like the, the, we call them the Lewis Hamilton rules. Uh, the, some of these rules that they're putting into place. I'm buffering here. It looks like I'm freezing. Um, but uh, to go and close some of these things, that might help. Um, you can close that. So, yeah, I got um, there was the uh, F1 Academy for women. They uh, they announced the teams that will be involved in that. Uh, for more race series, yeah, Formula One go. So that was then again, that starting to go and scroll through, find that over there. Didn't it's not there. Uh, go and switch that up, see if I can find it here and try to get that over. Trying to figure out those teams. I know, I mean, I, rem- I can. I know a couple of the teams, but I don't remember all of them. Uh, dang it. Uh, let's go and look that up. Give me a second here, of course. Uh, F1 Academy uh, teams. Yeah. Uh, five teams for the first three seasons. It's going to be based on the F4, uh, on an F4 uh, platform. So uh, that'll be uh, a, a baseline. Art ART. Grand Prix, Campos Racing, Carlin, MP Motorsport, and Prima are all involved. Carlin, of course, uh, Trevor Carlin's been here in the United States recently with IndyCar, but has a great history in the Formula One feeder system. MP Motorsports won the F2 championship with Felipe Drogovic. ART won F3 with Victor Martins this year. Prema uh, won the team's title. And uh, Carlin ran in F2, and that's where Logan Sargent won Rookie of the Year and was able to advance. So all those teams are, are really uh, solid there, strong teams, uh, five locked in all teams, 15 cars. Yeah, so a lot of stuff to look forward to there. I don't know if you're saying that it's essentially a replacement to W Series, but it kind of seems like it is because we haven't really heard anything about the W Series um, ever since they stopped uh, up the season abruptly. So let's uh, move forward into the roundup. So first piece of, of news in the roundup will be the WEC and IMSA lineups for Porsche. Of course, um, it'll lead into another piece for uh, would be driving the exact period lines, yeah. So that was announced a couple, like four days ago. So in the in the uh, WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, Nick Tandy and Matthew Jaminet will be driving the number six 
car, the number six nine sixty three, and uh, Jaminé drove in GTD Pro in the FAF Motorsports Porsche with Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell will be in the number seven with Felipe Nazar. Uh, so though that'll be uh, the four drivers. Nick Tandy comes back um, from Chevy to come back to prototypes. Dane Cameron will be the endurance driver in the six car, and Michael Christensen will be in the seven car. And the num- so those two drivers, both, uh, what do you call, Dane Cameron and Michael Christensen, will be in the number five in the WEC with Fred Makowicki. And then the second WEC car, number six, will be run by Kevin Estra, Andre Lauderer, and Lawrence Vantor. And uh, so that's Jimmy Bruni, Roman Dumas, Richard Leitz, Thomas Prining, to be determined, probably going to do a lot of GT racing, whether it's here in the United States or in WEC, to be determined. Of course, they only have, in the WEC, they only have GTM uh, for, um, there's no G, there the um, GTE Pro category is gone. The GTM category is around for one more year, and then they're going to go to a GT3 formula similar to uh, what we have here in the IMSA championship. And then but also there's, there's customer programs. JDC Miller is going to be waiting. They had a story out today uh, on Racer. They'll be waiting a while. Uh, probably until hope they're hoping to get them at Sebring, get their car at Sebring, but maybe longer. Joda Sport and Proton Competition will be running in WEC. So those will be the three customer programs for Porsche in uh, in uh, those two in both IMSA and WEC. Then uh, do some NASCAR news. A few things have come up here uh, recently. Announcements for some drivers and some teams uh, got some sponsorship stuff and yeah, VIR, he got that land. Yeah. Lance McGrew uh, retired 23 years around. He was around for 23 years at Hendrick Motorsports. So uh, he had B crew chief for Dale jr. Most famously, and that didn't work out so well for him. Yeah. He sucked. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a thankless job to be Dale Jr.'s crew chief uh, back in the day, really. Um, there's been announcement. There's like a German team that's trying to get into NASCAR. See, it sounds like the Hensemans team, honestly. Uh, we'll see if they ever show up or get there. And then um, in in Xfinity, they have so just announced or just put up here. Earlier today, Josh Williams is going to return to DGM Racing, uh, drive for uh, Mario Goslin, where that team he's he's had the most success with in Xfinity, had more success, of course, ARCA years ago. Mm-hmm. Alpha Prime is going to run uh, t- two of their full-time drivers. Next year will be Jeffrey Earnhardt, will be in the number 44, and they'll field a number 43, of course, they have 44 and 45. Number 43 will have Ryan Ellis as the anchor driver of that program for 24 races. So um, Ryan Ellis, who's been a PR guy for different drivers, he's kind of been all over the place, um, will get back into a race car for the majority of the season. So Alpha Prime making some moves 
with uh, their driver program. And uh, we'll see what Jeffrey can do. Probably the most competitive full-time effort he's had in his career, uh, the type of cars and the team and the support he has there. He's been in a lot of smaller, lower-tier rides over his career. And, of course, people have judged him uh, uh, rather fairly unfairly based on a lot of those rides. But then we saw what he did in an RCR car with Larry McReynolds at Talladega um, earlier this year. Maybe he has something. Uh, I mentioned that that other D-bag Moffitt uh, last week. Uh, in the truck series, the big big news was Door Sport goes back to Ford, and in turn, uh, Haley Deegan will be the driver of the uh, 98 truck, taking over uh, for um, Christian Eckes, who moved over to the um, uh, whatever McAnally team. And, uh, yeah, that's where, yeah, Eckes goes to McAnally with Jake Garcia. So that was a, that was a pre, that was a, the move that he made because he knew that he was going to lose his ride and he didn't have, really have sponsorship. She'll join, of course, um, of course, Matt Crafton, who's been with Thor Sport forever, 23 years. Ben Rhodes, the 2021 champion, Crafton three-time series champion. And then Ty Majeski, who made the final four last year um, as teammates. So we'll see what she can do. Uh, really doesn't have an excuse equipment-wise, and she doesn't have an excuse experience-wise. I think she has Rich Lucius as her crew chief as well. I think they're moving Lucius over to work with her. So can't can't go and there's no... She has no excuses anymore, honestly. And I, I will give her credit. She didn't do bad in that Xfinity ride. The one race she had in the Xfinity car uh, did better than Joe Graff Jr. does in that car. But that isn't saying much, to be fair. Uh, going into... Um, going into... Yeah, and the uh, Supercars Championship, the big uh, news was uh, the fact that the... I'll go here. F1 Academy, I already did that, so I don't have to worry about that. Pick that up. The uh, Supercars was uh, the news of the Repco Supercars Championship. There you go. Is the news that uh, Coca-Cola will be the sponsor of Erebus Racing in 2023. They'll be the... Uh, they're going to rename the team uh we're, so, yeah, so it's Coca-Cola Euro-Pacific Partners. So Coca-Cola Racing Banner. Uh, they've been Boost Mobile Racing for the last year. So Penrite, Boost Mobile. So now they're uh, going to be a part of the Coca-Cola program. So obviously we'll see some really cool schemes on their Chevy Camaros uh, next year with the new Gen 3 project, uh, which will see new Chevy Camaros and Ford Mustangs out on the grid. Uh, more Ford teams this coming year too, so that'll be uh, nice to see as well. With um, uh, Walk and Try and United being joining Ford, and then you're you know you have of course uh, Tickford Racing and uh, DJR, who's gotten more investment from different owners. So the Ford program looking to get a little stronger after um, a. What has been two years, which uh, two years with uh, Shane Van Gisbergen uh, dominating 
And uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, go to WRC, the announcements of the drive, the drivers for uh, for WRC for next year. Uh, or, yeah, for next year, the uh, announcement was Octanek, the former world champion, will go, go back to Ford with Pierre-Louis Loubet uh, for the M-Sport Ford team. So Atanek and, and Lube will be the two full-time drivers. So that'll be uh, interesting to see. Uh, you'll be getting Thierry Neuville's former um, co-driver there. And then um, filling the seat, will his former co-driver will work with Sebastian Auger at Toyota. Uh, going into the other drivers. So right now, yeah, and they have a third car that they think they're going to be... that. Maybe Sebastian Loeb will be in, but to be determined, uh, Loeb, uh, yes, yeah, sir. I don't know who that guy is, uh, but I've never heard of that guy. Um, for Jordan, Jordan, Sertoritis Sir or something. I don't know who the fuck he is, but he, he's a Greek privateer. Yeah. So they'll be taking that third factory seat for, uh, in, yeah, fourth following appearance in Canada. Well, long time. Around four. So he'll be he'll be in uh, five races or five uh, rallies. So we'll see what happens if Sebastian Loeb, who did win Rally Monte Carlo last year in the Ford Puma, will end up being on the grid. Of course, he's running the Dakar Rally here starting at the end of the month here on the 31st and uh, trying to win that race after all the world championships he's won in World Rally. And um, defending world champion Cali Rovampera returns to Toyota. Alfred Evans uh, was there. And then Takamoto Katsuda is going to be the fat full season factory driver. Sebastian Oje is going to run a partial season. And Hyundai, uh, Neuville uh, stays, of course. Esapeko Lapi leaves Toyota to come back to Hyundai. Danny Sordo stays and will share the ride with Craig Breen, who was at Ford, goes to Hyundai. So that's the drivers for the World Rally Championship, at least in Rally 1, the category. And uh, we'll see how that goes with Rally Monte Carlo coming up uh, in a few weeks' time, really. The NHRA, big news in recent weeks or recent days, has seen... uh, the NH two big powerhouses, the KB Racing, which is essentially now run by Greg Anderson, and Titan Racing, which is involved, has long time been involved in ProMod. They are joining forces to become KB Titan Racing, uh, and now they're going to be a four-car team because 2022 or t- Rookie of the Year Camry Caruso is going to move over to that team to be a fourth a driver to join, of course, Greg Anderson uh, and uh, where are you going? forgetting who the other guys were there. It's my fault. I'm blanking here on the drivers. It was um, Ken, or yeah, Kyle Koretsky and, and, uh, and Dallas Glenn. There you go. Kyle Koretsky, Dallas Glenn, Greg Anderson, and now Camry Caruso will be joining the team uh, next year. So that's a big team to go and go after the uh, the um, 
what do you call elite motorsports team that has been dominant here recent years with Enders uh, winning. So trying to go and beat her, uh, they'll have, of course, Troy uh, Coughlin Jr. Uh, back, or I think that, yeah, yeah, for Troy Coughlin Jr., yeah. So uh, he'll be back next year to drive as a teammate. Uh, two wins last or this year, so making progress for sure. Um, going through that, let's scroll through. Yeah, John Force announced he's staying with Chevy, so no surprise there. Um, been with was with Ford now with Chevy. He's run GM products for many many years, so not surprising by any uh, stretch. Methanol moonshine. It's a new buddy. What the heck car is that? I've never even heard of that. Methanol moonshine. That's a new team. Okay. Yeah, that's why uh, Buddy Hull. Okay. Oh, that'll be a, something to look at. Top fuel car. Elite Motorsports. Yeah, Jerry Tucker will be a part of that effort uh, in, in 2020 as well. The eighth pro stock machine is joining a stack roster because, I mean, Bo Butner also is there in it with the, in the actual team. So there'll be a four-car full effort in that sense. Uh, but then Aaron Stanfield, who connected, who contended for the championship for a good part of the year, uh, is a part of Elite with uh, the Quadra family. So that'll be uh, interesting. So Elite essentially has a four-car team, too. So it's kind of going the same way as the funny car was with John Force versus Don Schumacher back in the for many years. Gag, yeah, so she got a new plant, Mountain Mortar Pro Stock. So she'll be driving double, doubling up there, trying to go and win Mountain Motor Championship. And then uh, the other piece of news I saw is that Alex Laughlin, who's ran in in Pro Stock and in Top Fuel uh, in recent years, is going to take the Havilland sponsor, sponsorship to... Yeah, we get Laughlin crossover. Yeah, we'll be uh, moving to Jim Dunn's Funny Car program. So that's uh, um, awesome news. Getting uh, a, a good a driver, a competitive driver. So that is uh, a true granddaughter. Yeah, so he's he's got one of the coolest cars out there, and uh, he'll be in the Havilland Dodge, I think. I believe they're a Dodge program. Yeah, so they'll. Uh, for the first time in a while, I think the Jim Dunn team has a chance to compete. So uh, we'll see what he, they can do in funny cars next year after many years with Jim Campbell doing not much of anything. Uh, you know, I mean, IndyCar announced that that was the iRacing thing. We definitely talked about uh, they had the hybrid partnership. Bobby Schwartzman is getting in Ganassi test and is possibly in line to join in 2024. Uh, the Joseph Newgarden has um, Eric Leichtel replacing Gavin Ward, who moved to Arrow McLaren, or now whatever, McLaren, Arrow McLaren SP is Arrow McLaren. Uh, so, and then Newgarden, uh, Newgarden will also have uh, race engineer Luke Mason. So that'll be, uh, there's all new people on board for the guy who won the most races last year, but New Garden is is able to deal with all that. He's trying to win that uh, elusive third title, but also win the Indianapolis 500, which I think means more. Uh, a lot of news, of course, in WeatherTech, Sports Car Championship, Parker Thompson 
is going to join Vassar Sullivan for Enduros, Era Motorsports and LMP2 won the championship last year. They're going to have uh, Christian Rasmussen, Indy Pro 2000, USF 2000 champion, and Oliver Jarvis for the Rolex 24. And then, um, so that'll be a good team for sure, or second, I'm sorry. They finished second in LMP2 championship last year. Uh, full field, they announced, so 60 cars for the Rolex. Of course, they used to have more back in the day, but I think they're maximizing pit pit road space there. So 60 cars uh, right now, uh, With uh, they had over 70 entries, more than 70 entries. So 60 car field, 56 committed for the Michelin Endurance Cup 45 for the full season, which is which is outstanding. So we'll see what happens with the field itself. Hardwick, Kale, and Robichon for Wright Motorsports Michelin Endurance Cup. Uh, Sean Creech with Wilsley and Barbosa LMP3. Uh, but is it is that is Sab, Seb Prio and PJ Hyatt will be driving in GTD in for AO Racing run by Gunnar Jeanette. So. And Multimatic, so that'll be a interesting partnership in the uh, GTD category. WeatherTech Racing is going to run with two Mercedes uh, factory drivers in GTD Pro with Jules Gunyan and Daniel Yunkandela, and with Mauro Engel uh, joining them for the Enduros, and Cooper McNeil's getting out of the seat outside of the Rolex 24. Um, uh, to go and focus on business. Of course, WeatherTech is a sponsor of the championship. WeatherTech is um, a company, of course, out of Colorado. And so we'll see what happens there. Inception Racing, we talked about, I think we talked about it you know, last week where their McLaren's going to be out there full time. Kurtz uh, will move to LMP2. That's CrowdStrike Racing, George Kurtz, Ben Hanley, and Mac McMurray. So with the Algarve Pro Racing team the Michelin Endurance Cup rounds. So what is it? Dalda. Yeah. So the four big races there. So that'll be a interesting combination. We'll see how that goes. He has solid drivers with him. So we'll see what that, and LMP2 has a chance to win the Rolex this year because of all the, in, all the issues in reliability. Okay. Yeah. And Sebastian Vettel, Mick Schumacher will be team Germany for, are the race of champions and the last piece of the what do you call the roundup I'm forgetting that a roundup is NBC sports and uh, Peacock and the super motocross league. They have 31 races all of, between both supercross and pro motocross um, will be on Peacock exclusively, but they'll have some races on the family of networks uh, over the season. But Peacock's going to be the exclusive home of Supercross and Motocross here in 2023. So if you don't have that, you probably want to get it. It's like $5 a month, but you can get the Supercross and Motocross. You can also get IndyCar. You have IMSA. So there's a lot that you can gain out of doing that, most of the Rolex will be on there too. So, you know, there's IndyCar races. I mean, like the te- the ca- the race in Toronto is exclusively on on Peacock. So, I think it's worth the deal there. All right. So that's a lot of talking from me. Uh, with that, uh, I'll hand it over to you, Josh, for the sim segment uh, here. Uh, the last segment or next to last segment for season three. 
2022. Yeah, of course. And I mean, we already really went through a big chunk of it, uh, you know, at the top of the show with the deal with IndyCar and uh, iRacing, you know, the controversy that it's become, you know, so unfortunate that it has to happen like that. But um, I, you know, that that aside, I'll I'll bring up a couple more points from that. I just want to bring up, but let me talk about the other stuff on iRacing um, that I'm trying to do or have been doing, and mostly right now I've been focusing on road racing, trying to you know uh, get better at that, trying to be better at road racing so that I can um, expand you know my interests in iRacing and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, I want to try to break in my new pedals that I got recently and, you know, road racing, obviously, you know, I have a lot of, uh, braking, a lot of off throttle time, um, and a lot of variance in driving. So that's kind of where I've been focusing on, um, like to do some more short track racing as well, uh, to, you know, get more experience, you know, with, you know, better braking technique as well. So I'll try to look out for that, um, this week or, um, you know, when I come back from winter break and everything like that. So we'll see, uh, you know, how that goes. Um, but yeah, I did, I did do some mostly Ferrari, uh, 488 GT3 racing this weekend or this past weekend at VIR. And, you know, I learned VIR is a very tough track, uh, to race on. Um, uh, you know, it's very lengthy, um, but it's got very low speed corners. Um, so, you know, it's a track that you know takes a lot of finesse uh and a lot of parts of the track to really be able to put up fast times uh had a lot of off tracks uh while i raced trying to figure out the the line to run at uh vir but you know it's a it's a good it's a good track to uh run on and you know look forward to you know more events like that in the future uh you know i think i think this week on iRacing um you know Besides trying to run, you know, Indianapolis for the last time in an Indy car, uh, you know, I'm probably looking forward, you know, doing some, um, you know, stock car stuff as well. Uh, let me see, trying to trying to get some stuff on there, some short track racing. So the 87 car will be racing at the USA International Speedway, of course, which is no longer in existence in actual reality, uh, but it still exists on iRacing. Um, that's a good short track. One of the uh, tracks that comes with the base package of iRacing when you download it. Uh, NASCAR Cup is at the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So maybe have an opportunity to race the Indianapolis Motor Speedway there on Cup if I decide to with the Cup car. Um, the uh, Indiana, or not the, well, the IndyCar series, of course, is also at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So that's always an opportunity. The Winter Heat Racing Series. Uh, on iRacing, uh, races at Homestead this week, uh, fixed setup, uh, races at Homestead as well for the winter heat. That's the basically long form 87 series, uh, there, uh, iRacing Xfinity series races at Texas. Uh, so probably won't do that one. Cause we know Texas motor speedway is pretty garbage, uh, even in the sim. Uh, so probably just, you know, let that one go. Uh, don't really enjoy racing Texas Motor Speedway. ARCA at Charlotte, of course. Trucks at Talladega, that might be interesting as well. Uh, road road course racing, of course. Uh, like I mentioned, VIR for the Ferrari GT3 Challenge. Uh, global, um, yeah, 
global uh, Mazda MX-5 Cup, Rodskogen Motor Center. Um, that's a, n another new track at uh, iRacing that they released the last couple of weeks. Uh, Road America, the Indy Pro 2000 Road America, that might be interesting to run uh, on that track with a uh, lower, lower form of open-wheel racing. Um, let's see what else that I have that I can race, trying to look at, just, you know, bring up potential eligible and own content. Um, yeah, GT4 at Road Atlanta, uh, Formula, yeah, IR04 at uh, Long Beach. Uh, if I want to race the open uh, IndyCar series, that's at Auto Club, so there's that opportunity. Uh, USF 2000s at Road America, that's another, you know, similar to the... Um, Indy Pro 2000, that's pretty similar track there. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, Lotus 79 at WeatherTech International, or yeah, at, at Laguna Seca, IMSA Endurance Series. Uh, so that's the new endurance class uh, at, uh, and I can race that one at Watkins Glen, uh, the boot. Uh, might be interesting if I have time. I don't know. Uh, the production car Simlab Challenge, that's at Limerick Park. Uh, new Toyota GR86 is in that one. Uh, should be interesting, along with the updated F, uh, Ford Mustang FR500 uh, on the roadside. So, uh, yeah, that's... And, yeah, Formula V at Sakuba Circuit and GR86 at Okiyama International Circuit, so it should be a good one there. So probably doing a lot of Indianapolis, honestly, while I have the time. Uh, probably do some later tonight uh, before I hit the hay. So... Um, yeah, Indianapolis, of course, the controversy with all that, um, very disappointing news, as I said, and, you know, well, you know, you're going on the roundup and everything, I was looking up some stuff with Motorsport Games, the game company that Indi uh, IndyCar has signed the exclusive deal, this is the same company that released NASCAR 2021 Ignition, and by all accounts, that game was a massive failure, it was broken out of the box, um, a lot of issues should not have been released, um, and clearly the people that were developing it knew that it was broken. And apparently, you know, just as a fact that has been said in the, you know, in the news when that was released, um, apparently the developers said that the wheels couldn't even turn. So car, car wheels in the game could not even turn until two weeks before the release. So that was pretty bad. And, you know, this company is in a lot of financial trouble, um, they went public on the NASDAQ uh, the beginning of last year in January. Their opening price was $300. They're now down to a share price of $3.03. Uh, they've been uh, out of compliance with the NASDAQ regarding minimum bid price on their stock. Um, and as they were trading below a dollar for a long time, and then they recently had to do a 10 to 1 reverse split stock to raise capital uh, so that they were. Um, in, in compliance again with with that so very very clearly they have had some bad financials um which shows how bad of a company they are you know of course um it seems like it's a huge scam of a company as i've been saying and um you know they've clearly uh seems like taken a lot of money and done nothing with things and uh, clearly made broken products um and so i if they were to make an IndyCar game, if it ever comes out, I don't expect it to be be well. Even if they own the uh, license and the um, um, physics or license for R Factor Two, uh, don't expect anything good to come out of this. So, uh, just uh, 
yeah, very, very unfortunate that this has to happen. And uh, we see, uh, you know, iRacing on IndyCar uh, come to an end, basically. I mean, it's still going to be there, you know, still, be, you know, race it, but essentially it's killed the community and, um, you know, people no longer being able to broadcast it uh, officially. So, um, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, spend a lot of their money and time on this. And, you know, there's a lot of growth uh, in terms of, you know, streaming content, esports content with iRacing and IndyCar and, you know, uh, especially in the last couple of years with Corona and everything. So, um, you know, just uh, unfortunate, you know, as, as we talked about earlier. So, and, you know, just incredible that they're going with a company that, you know, has proven to be a, a fraudulent company and by all, by all means. So, you know, can't, can't say uh, anything more than that, but, you know, it's un just unfortunate. So, of course, you know, uh, you know, before we recorded, was streaming on iRacing. I was racing with Connor Daly and uh, Tony Kanon. was drafting off of Tony Kanon, trying to learn his driving technique. You know, he's an Indy 500 champion. I'm an Indy 500 champion in iRacing, so, you know, to it you know it was, it was good good to race on there with him of course there's other indy 500 champions on iRacing probably that were on there too um that was that was pretty good uh even though it was for fun and everything and try to go three wide with connor daly and somebody else uh going into turn one in indianapolis so it's pretty funny how that turned out so um of course you can see that and well i think phil was on the stream on there <laughs> making first appearance i guess not um by i guess by accident uh, but um don't think it matters really but um being on there and everything you can look at the stream twitch tv slash usailer 2 and go see the stream where i decided to stream racing with connor daly and tony canon and other people on iRacing uh you know earlier today uh wednesday july or not july that was a long time ago uh december 21 uh 2022 so Go in there and watch all that stuff and see my Indy 500 win, which will no longer be possible for the time being uh, from this year in 2022, which I have there clipped. It will be there forever. Um, I think I will try to put it on YouTube at some point um, so that I can share it better because, um, you know, sometimes Twitch, you, know, you can watch the Twitch clip, but, you know, YouTube is easier to, you know, view things on YouTube and, you know, sh you know share things uh, beyond Twitch, so... You know, go on there and follow that Twitch TV slash UCLR2. Go in there and see all my racing streams when I have it on and everything like that. Uh, and of course, follow me, JP Huffine, Twitter, where retweeted uh, a lot of the reaction to uh, iRacing, of course. Uh, follow all my Jaguars uh, content. I mean, I don't make content, but I share, you know, opinions, my own opinions. You know, big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. So um, that happened on Sunday with Rayshon Jenkins taking the pick six for the Jags to win the game against the Cowboys. So and see all my takes on there. Racing takes, of course, uh, went, you know, right now off-season, so they're not really a whole lot. But, you know, in-season and any type of news that I'm reacting to, of course, iRacing IndyCar, that is racing content. So, uh, yeah, on there as well. Uh, and then, of course, you know, talk about finance stock market all that stuff i have information on that as well if you want to look at their gain information learn stuff on there too so um yeah i mean of course been a great year talking you know with the podcast and everything look forward to coming back next year and continuing to do this and uh do more stuff on this on the show so um you know we had a lot of a lot of good things come out of this year youtube uh the free tickets to the races uh that we had which you know we were able to take advantage of being able to 
link up with Joe, you know, link up with, you know, Phil Spain on that, uh, the beginning of the year, uh, get, got, got to be able to meet Joe and everything. So, uh, glad to be able to do that. So of course, uh, you know, glad to be able to do it with you as always, Phil, and, you know, close it out and everything and, you know, hope everybody has a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and everything like that. So, um, you know, we'll close the year out and we'll come back next year and continue on. Absolutely. Season four will be starting next year. So it's amazing to think something that started during the at the peak of pandemic um, has now gone three years and now we're going to get into year four. Um, I'm glad that you're with me, Josh, and we were able to do this. Um, bad fun for 149 episodes. The next episode will be episode 150, so a milestone number there. So it'll be huge um, for that as we come back, trying to see, get some more guests, trying to get some more things moving. But enjoy the show. We'll have plenty to and enjoy doing it. It's a passion project for sure. Hoping to, for it to grow and continue to make more strides. Uh, thanks to Josh, of course, being my sidekick, right-hand man, um, Indy 500 champion, Josh Fine. So um, might, we might be talking about his Jacksonville Jaguars in the playoffs in two weeks when we come back for episode 150. Kind of hoping for that personally. It'd be cool. Um, but Niners are going to be there. Uh, where they're going to be in position, we'll see. You can find me with some of the... Uh, social media stuff. If I'm talking about the Niners on uh, Twitter at Philip G. Matthew, probably looking at alternatives for that during this break. Um, we might move, we could put a, a the grip strip over there as well. We're at grip strip pod on Twitter as well. And uh, we're on basically anywhere you can find podcasts. We're on uh, my website, Philip G. Matthew.com. And and YouTube, Josh uh, runs that. So we're basically anywhere. You can watch us. You can listen to us. There's all kinds of ways and hopefully a lot to talk about uh, after the holidays. And we'll have a winner of the Fall Brawl League. Hopefully it's one of us. Uh, I have not sent the ring or the belt out for the last two years because um, Vic took a picture with the belt and the ring last year but didn't decide to take it. And then Joe won it the first year, but because he has two young kids, there's no effing way I was going to send it. I have a hard time believing I would send it if Wilson wins it um, because his kids are young um, too, but we'll see. But if it stays in my house, it might, it'll be good. And I know Josh will take care of those. He'll probably do the gimmick like how Pat McAfee and, and AJ Hawk with the little, um, WWE belts or whatever, but we'll see what happens with that. We thank you for listening to Grip Strip Podcast and supporting us, liking, subscribing the whole bit. And um, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, um, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, all that. Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, uh, get that all in there. And uh, for Josh, I'm Phil, and uh, we'll see you in 2023. Take care.